This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that never takes a backward step on a cold, wet afternoon in Stoke. Now, there are matches that help define a season. Blackburn away in Jose's first title-winning season, where the team was kicked off the pitch by a Mark Hughes team, but still came away with three points, was such a match. It was deja vu on Saturday, as Mark Hughes' Stoke applied... The same tactic, but thankfully with the same result. The delight in the reaction of Conte, the players and Chelsea's away support was palpable. Not with discord, but with unity and a bond forged in hardship and overcoming insurmountable odds. We are almost there, and with a never-say-die attitude like the one shown against Stoke, it is clear that it will be Chelsea lifting this year's Premier League title. Now, I am Stamford Chidge, and and the name of tonight's show is... The Chelsea fancast. The harder they come, we know the rest. The harder they fall. Now, uh, I've got some very hard people with me on the show tonight, in the nicest possible way. Uh, we have, as always, the lovely Jonathan Kidd. Hello. How are you? How are you, Petal? I'm being a bit unhard. No, mate, you're, you're hard as you're, you're nails, JK. It's just a subterfuge to pretend that you're just this. Uh, Last, little you've, flower, you've, this you've delicate seen, little flower. You've seen through my ruse. Yeah, mate, I know. You were there in the 70s, mate. It's all, all that needs to be said. I was um, there anyway, in, in my little swiftly. blue tra- tracksuit, Chidge. Remember that vision of me and you're, covered in my Chelsea and stars f- with my rattle and my bobble hat? Mate, I, I want to get photographic evidence one day of you wearing kickers and uh, bell-bottom flares with a silk <laughs> Chelsea scarf tied to your wrist. Because <laughs> I know that there, there is, is one that exists. Is, I know there, that there, there will be one that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. Yeah. There is. I just know. Looking like a reject from the Bay City Rollers. Not even a reject. Uh, anyway, we should yeah. move... Well, not, not even a reject, indeed. You are, you are really Leslie McEwen. Um, I'm going to move on before Jonathan's lawyers uh, get on the phone to me, uh, which would be very disastrous. 
uh, and introduce my fellow uh, fellow right hand man, uh, which is the wonderful Dan Silver, who I had the absolute pleasure uh, of, of his company on Friday evening when we went to uh, the Kerry Dixon. Uh, screening of his film Dan great to uh, have you back on the show as always yeah. last week as well always good to be back yeah and it, it was a really absolutely brilliant evening just a little shout out for Clive Wilson what a lovely man oh yeah 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 totally 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 and the other thing I spoke to Kerry today and I and I have to say uh, that he did say to me he said he remembered you he wasn't quite sure where he remembered you from right and I it was presumably the uh, supporters trust meeting yeah. that we had, but he said, "Yeah, he said that you were an absolutely lovely, lovely top fellow." He said it was really lovely to spend an oh, evening with you. So yeah, how about that's, I thought that would well, be that's, that's literally made my that's made my year. Yeah, that's, that's, there that's, you go. What a lovely guy. Yeah. Now talking of lovely guys, uh, we've got a, we've got a new person on the show, uh, which is always lovely when we have uh, a new person to torment and embarrass and humiliate. No, no, none of those things. Uh, I'm very, very delighted to say I'm very delighted to say that we uh, have got the lovely. Oliver Harbord on, and Oliver is the Chelsea FC correspondent for Football London. Isn't that right, Ollie? That is. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Now, Ollie, Ollie did divulge to me uh, yesterday that he has in fact heard uh, the Chelsea fancast. So, I, all I can say to you, Ollie, is you only have yourself to blame from here on in. Well, I slept on the decision. I thought it's still still good to be on. So, <laughs> I thought, thought I'd make sure I connected tonight. Well, good man. I mean, all, all I can say, as I, and I'll re- reiterate to any of you on the show and, of course, to any of our listeners, uh, please direct any of your lawyers to somebody else because uh, <laughs> they'll fall on deaf ears here. Uh, but anyway, we should get on with the show because it's going to be a crap. I've got a good vibe about tonight's show. I really have. Um, not least because tonight we're going to argue uh, that the harder they come, the harder they fall as Chelsea stand up to Stokes fouling by Rota to come away with a hard-earned three points at Stoke. But did the referee manage it or bottle it? Uh, in part two, we're going to discuss how Costa walked the line in a performance rightly praised by his manager. And we ponder the squad depth as Chelsea pull off a win without talisman Eden Hazard. How could we do this? And uh, we give due credit to the very unfairly, in my opinion, lambasted Chelsea vice-captain, Mr. Juan Gary Cahill. Now, is the criticism of our oak-hearted vice-captain unfair? We'll be asking that. Uh, in part three, we've got emails from Peter Bryant and Alan, our, our, our good mate, Alan Gaveron, Rootless Cosmo, for those of you on Twitter, uh, plus news on the Chelsea supporters Trust Jack Whitney crowdfunding campaign, a reminder about that. And in part four... We've got news about uh, more news about books by the girl who likes balls, uh, aka Alex Churchill, and the Football Factory author John King. And uh, I'm going to remind you again about the young autistic lad facing a football banning order. Uh, I might even remind you if uh, somebody needs to remind me to remind you that it is my great mate Paul uh, Jeffrey, aka Pablo. Uh, the Beautiful Game are launching their album this Friday and they're playing a gig. So at some time during the show, I will I will find his text that reminds me where it's being done so you can all go. So as always, lots and lots and lots and lots to get through tonight. Um, now, we've got loads of people in Mixler, as we always do. There's some some bloke masquerading as the Reverend Tony Glover. Um, I mean, you know, this this is how much I love Tony. When Tony's not on the show, he goes into Mixler and listens to it. I mean, how, I mean you know, how there is no praise greater than that. I, I love Tony for that. Um, Felix Verren is in the house. Now, Felix is a fine, fine, fine lad who I've had the pleasure of drinking with in Pasadena in Lucky Baldwin's. Um, I'm sure he's now got over that. Uh, the lovely Andy Silverman is in the house. Who else have we got? We've got John Chip Chiverton, the lovely Jacaranda Chick. Yaren Levy, haven't seen Yaren in there for a while. Nice to see Yaren, or the wonderful Matt Jazz, 
Praj, Nikki Kilduff. Uh, I don't know if I'm speaking to you, Nikki, after what your uh, rugby team did to my rugby team on Saturday. Uh, we've got Bonnie Rig Blues and uh, Stephen Mooring, Kojo Chelsea. It's lovely. Loads of people in there. Always lovely to see people in Mixler. Now, if you want to join them, all you have to do, you can listen to the show live every Monday, 7 o'clock. Go to mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. And uh, as I said, you can join in with all the people that are in there, have a chat with them, post stuff on the page, uh, get my attention. You never know. Right. After this very short break, uh, we will be talking to football. Okay, um, blimey, you know, Stoke. I mean, it's always, always, always going to be a toughie, Stoke, isn't it? Always, always going to be a toughie. Um, but this was classic, classic Stoke shithouse tactics, in my view. Very classic Mark Hughes. The, the reference to Blackburn was no accident. Uh, and uh, they were they were fi- fouling by Rota, you know, uh, like we've been talking about for weeks. Jonathan and I remember what what lead, the, lead, the horrible, dirty lead side used to do in the past. And the one thing that kind of, uh, you know, I, I kind of thought well, it was dinosaur football, football for dinosaur fans, really. And I suppose this is what happens when you live on a diet of oat cakes. But there you go. <laughs> but my first question, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask Mr. Kidd, oh. who I'm sure is very cross about it. But you see, the thing is, JK, I mean, no matter how much we bitch and moan about it, I have to say that if I'm, if I'm a Stoke manager with those cart horse players... I know that the only chance I'm going to have to win a football match against Chelsea is to try and kick them off their game, wind them up and get them sent off. So in a sense, you know, I I can see that there is a validity to this tactic, but I'm sure that you are going to argue against that. Well, no, it's a legitimate way, isn't it? If you're going to be taken to the cleaners by the team, because you know that you're, you're not good enough. And, And any team managed by Mark Hughes, when faced with an opposition that is talented enough and we'll run at him and we'll play better football, we'll resort to those tactics. I know, as as you've stated in 2004 against uh, uh, um, up at Blackburn, um, uh, Robin got taken off after having scored a wonderful goal. Um, uh, and it was uh, it was defining because the, the spirit in the team was completely fantastic. But um, I, I do think that... that um, that if Hazard had been playing, he would have experienced exactly the same thing. And in fact, the the poor bloke in a mask they'd been practicing on all week must have been uh, rather fed up when it turned out that he wasn't playing that on uh, on Saturday because he was injured. But um, uh, no, I think it's it's completely it's legitimate, isn't it? It just is that they need to be protected by the referees, which we're going to get onto. I mean, I think uh, I think his. Uh, um, the Oliver, um, what's his face, Oliver in the Man United game did exactly the right thing, which is that you say to the opposition uh, um, skipper, can you stop the serial fouling? But in this instance, um, um, what's his face, Taylor is, 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 I don't know whether he thinks it's that it's a man's game thing. And I think unfortunately, because it was poor old Diego, he's got a theory in his mind that Diego throws himself around. And I don't think he's actually been to any of the referees' meetings where they've worked out that he's a he's a reformed character this year. Um, 
but I'm sorry mm. if, I, if I'm preempting anything you're about to say. But uh, no, old, no, um, no, no, Jonathan, old, you're, um, you're you're you're. I'm uh, letting you letting you have a you're on a roll. So oh, I'm thank you, thank you. you. But I, I I think I think it, it's a good it's a good point to cut. I'm going to ask Oliver actually because Oliver uh, was 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 actually at the match. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I'd be interesting to, to to hear what what the feeling was in the press box about what what is obviously a clear tactic to kick. You know, kick Chelsea off the park and and wind Costa up. Is was there a feeling in the press box that that was going on, Oliver? I definitely think there was. Um, it was quite an interesting in the post match. Actually, uh, Mark Hughes was asked, "Did they look to target Diego Costa before the game?" He said uh, he came out and said, "No, no, we didn't try and target him." And he joked, "If anything, Diego tried to target us," which I thought was a bit of a strange comment, really. Um, from anyone Did anybody wa- go bullshit? Uh, there were a few sort of uh, yeah muffled muffled coughs in in the room. That's for sure. Uh, I think if anyone watched yeah. the game from from above, I mean it's it was no um, you know I mean Shawcross was straight onto Costa within the first two minutes. I think they were, they were both at yeah. each other. Bruno Martins Indy as well was at that, and then Eric Peters threw himself in, and they're all they're all going for it absolutely. I mean. I'm sure, as we'll we'll come on to about Diego, he's he's not often liked around uh, many grounds around the country, and sometimes he can make himself an easy target. But I think uh, I think Jonathan's right. Without Hazard being on the pitch, I think uh, they looked to Diego as well and thought, well, this is a guy we can get sent off this game. I'm sure mm-hmm. if we wind him up enough, we, enough up enough, we can. And especially when he got the yellow card in the first 20 minutes, I think they probably thought they were they were quids in for that one. But I thought I thought I that was we'll, we'll, a dreadful we'll yellow card. Actually, I just say I felt that because he was legitimately, uh, I, I know they're not allowed to to shout at the referee, but the referee should have understood that there was just foul after foul taking place from different players. Surely the referee's looking at the game rather than thinking I must give a yellow card to a player for shouting at me, or he should have been giving a yellow card to. To the to the actual tackles, to the fouls, not not for the intimidation, not for the. But, the but verbal Jonathan, Jonathan, this, this is this is absolutely the point, and you were really right to make that point. I think a minute ago, and I mean Dan, I think I think J.K.'s point when he when he, I mean it's the second time he's made it, but I think the first, the, the, both are equally valid. Ultimately, I, I think you know fair enough. You've got to do whatever you can to win a football match. So I'm I'm not going to sit here. And, and get all Arsenal-like and moan about them. Oh, they're kicking my players and they don't like it. <laughs> Frankly, Jonathan's right. And it, Jonathan, remember, is a qualified referee. Frankly, it's up to the referee to deal with it. Michael Oliver didn't do a bad job last week. But I think Oliver was blood... Not Oliver. It was Taylor, Taylor wasn't it? Taylor was absolutely bloody hopeless. He completely had no idea what was going on. He, he was out of his depth, frankly. But, I mean, would you agree with that? Is it the referee's job to sort that out or, or, or what? Um, yeah, absolutely, because the referee's meant to have complete control of the match. I think whether he has preconceived ideas before he goes on to pitch about a certain players. I mean, sure, Costa's got form. Um, Indy's got form. Costa's got form. But uh, Ultimately, you know, you're, you're, Chelsea are far superior man-to-man than Stoke. The state will not be able to out football us, so their their tactic is kick him, kick him, kick him, and we generally, on the whole, responded very, very well. Cost Costa's definitely people forget he's only been sent off once in his entire career, and that yeah. was very late yeah. red card against Edson. So he knows once he gets one yellow, he kind of stops. So he has got that he has got control despite that aggression in his game. Stoke played to the best of their ability by being very aggressive. And trying to you know bully us when it didn't work because we got some we got some big big players in that team, Te- technically very good, technically strong, and we weren't we weren't we didn't let ourselves get bullied. So I think it was a 
outstanding mm. performance, and it does it does very much hark back to you know various defining you know games over the last few years, like your Blackburns, your West Ham's, your Man United. Well, Spurs actually, the the Spurs game, I think, yeah. was, you know, uh, last year is another classic. I, you know, what I find interesting, Jonathan, is that, that there seems to be this assumption. Uh, that uh, uh, that some managers still have about Chelsea, just because they're really good players and they're really skillful, that you can kick them out of the game. Now, you know, whilst I, I, I have often aired my, you know, suspicions that actually, you know what, you can kick Eden Hazard out of the game. Because I've seen him go missing when he... I mean, and to be fair to him, I don't think he's a pussy. I think he's just generally, literally being kicked out of the game. And he's a bit injured after it. Um, but actually, I don't think there are many other Chelsea players that, that take too many steps back. Um, so it, it was good to see that they didn't get intimidated and they did stand up to it. And I think that, you know, the reaction at the end kind of said some that up, didn't it, JK? Oh, yeah, it was. It was um, you could see how how they were so um, pleased with the well, I mean, pleased is the wrong wrong word. They, it was it was uh, it was an ecstatic reaction at the end from everybody, especially the manager, of course, after the, the goal who swung on the. On the away hut, didn't he? On the, um, and, um, which, which once again, you mentioned. I keep worrying. I'm, I'm giving away what you're about to say. But um, yeah, you are. So don't. Yeah. So I won't. Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> so I'm, I won't. I'll just agree with you. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I was really pleased that I think they, as you say, they all, everybody stood up completely, and uh, it was great seeing um, Alonso not uh, not being given a hard time by well, being given a hard time by Duf when he came on, but not not backing down. You know, and then the referee just to, just having a chat with him and telling him to calm down. But I thought, you know, he's not he's not being intimidated himself because uh, uh, there, there are some players there we 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 don't really see them be um, uh, have the same the, the same um, uh, provocation as Costa and Hazard get because they're just uh, um, they're not targeted in the same way. You know, I've I've seen Moses upended a few times, but it's not he's not particularly picked on. Um, but I think I think doing this tactic that Hughes does, Freak and other other teams do, diminishes their own abilities actually. Because I think Stoke have been playing a lot better, and uh, I don't see why they don't attempt to uh, to play more football rather than thinking, all right, what we'll do is rough people up. Because surely the the focus isn't then going to be on playing their football. He's, Hughes has made them into a better team, into a more a more footballing side rather than a kind of you know, Pulis up and at them. Though having said that, though, Pulis mm. up and at them is doing very well with West Brom. So, as you say, perhaps it is a, in, uh, as we've said, it, it, it is a legitimate way of playing. But I do feel, uh, um, I, you know, it, it's, it, it doesn't make for a great spectacle, does it? And we are but, but Jake, looking for that, you know. I, I, mate, I agree with you. I, I, think, I think, A, it is a legitimate tactic. I don't have an issue with it. But I, I think you're right. I think, actually, it's a stupid tactic because we still won. You know, yeah. because at the end yeah. of the day, we we didn't get drawn in, we didn't get intimidated. Uh, the referee didn't really protect us, so they they couldn't even go for that. But I think that's uh, the main and thing. Huge. One... I think that's the main thing is the referees have to do. Oliver got it absolutely right last week. You've got to protect this. This otherwise, it it uh, does this happen in any other league? I, I don't think it does around the world. I think they're allowed. You know, no. is, is Messi kicked off the ball every time by some team that decides? All right, we'll serially Not in foul Spain. him. You know, and also this yeah. once again, this discussion about um, uh, rugby union comes in and sin binning. You know, in the, when when somebody when serial fouls are committed, the, the rugby union referee says, right, the next person who does it is in the book, as Oliver did last week. So obviously they discussed this. The Premier League 
referees discuss this, but for goodness sake, why was Taylor so off the pace that he couldn't see, for example, Shawcross didn't get booked? There's a period where Shawcross tra- tramples on Costa. So it's obviously a book. Amazing. And he doesn't give amazing. Any, standing there amazing. I mean, it is. It was, I was aghast. You just think, what are you doing as a ref? You can see what's going on. I know. But effectively, well, he, was saying, he was saying, I think you're cheating all the time, Costa. So I don't care that you're being fouled consistently and aggressively, which, is, of course, is unbelievably um, prejudicial towards him. Ridiculous. Yeah, we've seen it before. We know what yeah. happens. Oliver, you know, just talking about the referees a second, because, well, the referees, the referee in this instance, particularly, um, other than the fact that, you know, he, he did actually book Alan. He sent Bardsley off for those stupidly waited until the 95th minute. <laughs> Peters and Cameron all got booked as well. Amazingly, Shawcross didn't. But there are other issues with the referee too, which I just want to touch on a bit. Um, you know, because uh, I'll tell you for why. I mean, number one, I, I think actually they made the right decision with the Berahino, uh push on Aspie, which meant that their goal got disallowed. But actually that was the linesman who made that, uh, that decision, not, not the referee. And I have a strong suspicion that he, he, like a lot of referees, tried to even it up by penalising Cahill which actually wasn't a push at all. It was it was more of a coming together and an accidental one. I mean, basically, I think that Cahill slightly trod on, on, the, on the back of uh, Walter's boot and, and that kind of brought them together. And actually, I think the telling sign is, Oliver, is that, you know, Walters didn't even look round appealing for a penalty and yet he gave a bloody penalty. I mean, that just shows how poor his performance was, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right with the, with the fact that he was trying to level things up. Um you know, the Berahino one, as you, as you mentioned, um, the, it was the linesman absolutely that gave it. And it took a while to decide what was actually going on and whether Anthony Taylor felt any sort of embarrassment by the fact that he didn't give it because it was a very good decision from the linesman. Absolutely. There was a clear push, which was stupid from Berahino because I don't think Aspilicueta was going to get anywhere near the ball. Um, but it was a definite foul. And, you know, he's got to give that. So for the Cahill thing, yeah, I think he was trying to, he was trying to level it up a little bit. As I sort of mentioned to you when I spoke to you yesterday, I felt it was a very, very soft penalty. And I'm not, you know, I don't think it was a penalty mm. at all. I still think Cahill was slightly foolish in what he did, only because the flight of the ball, Courtois was coming to get that anyway. He was up there, it was above everyone's head. So there was no need to put himself in that position. But it was a very soft penalty. And, and you know, Walters went down and, and it took everyone by surprise, really. And it was great to see Cahill sort of bounce back towards the end of the game to get the goal. More of that later, Oliver. But yeah, I think, do you know what? That's, that's, I forgot we'd had that chat, but you're right. And, and Dan, I mean, that's a really good point from Oliver there, I think, about the fact that, uh, you know, Cahill, I mean, clumsy at, at, at most, but actually, he, 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 you know, that was, that was Courtois' ball, had his, you know, Courtois' name all over it, and, and he could have just left, left Courtois to get it, couldn't he, Dan? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you, you question whether, you know, Courtois... You know, it was communicating to defence, you know, shouting, my ball, you know, maybe a, 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 you know, a stronger goalkeeper cleaning them both out and take, taking the ball straight away. It's one of, the, one of those penalties where if it, go, it goes for your team, you're absolutely delighted. If it goes against you, like, oh, it's a bloody soft penalty. I, mean, I, I didn't think anything of it. I was watching the field. I thought, OK, because Cahill got carried on, Walters got up and carried on. And then suddenly, referee 25 yards away gives a penalty. I was like, I was flabbergasted. I mean, it was, it's got to go down as one of the softest penalties of the season. Because there was there's very very little in that at all, very little. I thought, as you say, Anthony Taylor right. wants to even up. Okay, 
All right, mate. Just just to, to round this part up, because we're getting some really, really good posts from Mixler on this. Nikki killed off. Bit of dissent. Dissent in the ranks, Dan. Nikki, the lovely Nikki, says, um, he caught his foot. I think it's a penalty, to be honest, though he gave it for a push, which he clearly indicated that was non-existent, which is actually, actually a really good point. So despite the contact, the ref gave it for something that didn't happen. Well, that's absolutely in keeping with the abject paucity of intelligence that Anthony Taylor displayed on that pitch. Um... What else? What else? What else? Someone should tell. This is great. Mr. Plastic says someone t- should tell Cameron he has to be good in order to talk smack. Great point. Uh, and uh, John Chips Chiverton says the bloke is a bottler, literally. I'm thinking you're talking about the ref, aren't you, John? Um, so there we go. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's as always with the referees. They don't have, you know, give us something to talk about. I mean, just think Ollie wouldn't, Oliver wouldn't be in a job if it wasn't for referees, would you, Oliver? Uh, I think we'd have less to talk about. That's, that's pretty, I mean, it's been incredible this season. I feel like more than ever that we, we seem to be talking about referees every week. Uh, decisions wrong, ridiculous decisions. And it's just the, the quality of the standard of refereeing, not just Premier League, I've got to say. You know, I, I know a lot of people from non-league level as well and all the way through the ranks that questions about referees completely uh, carry on all the way through. So it, whether there's a fundamental problem there all the way through the, through the divisions, I'm not sure, but it definitely gives us more to talk about each week. Well, you know, that's a really good point. I mean, my, my, my feeling, my gut feeling is that they are actually getting worse. And I've noticed a sharp decline in the last five to ten years. And weirdly, I, I, the, the, the decline seems to be commensurate with the increase in the amount of money they're getting paid. But I don't think the two are necessarily related. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the last point on this to Jonathan because he is the only, unless Oliver's secretly a referee and I didn't know about it. But <laughs> to my knowledge, you're the only uh, qualified referee around the table, so to speak, Jonathan. So what's wrong with them? Um, I, I think it's uh, it, it's it's difficult for them to not become egotistical. I think it's very difficult for them to accept that they could be wrong, and uh, they have to come on with a with a specific personality that is almost an invention, um, because it works for them. And uh, uh, I'm I'm creating kind of you should be the one chidge to. Uh, come up with this i'm creating a kind of psychological profile for them but um but i think they they uh, they they have a way of performing that is very consistent to them i mean it's like looking at friend for example um who every time he goes on seems to laugh and shake his head a lot at obvious fouls and go as if to say don't be mm. ridiculous and has a kind of um uh, and uh, and i know his persona is such that he's that's how he gets by because i i i don't think they can. I think they must be aware that they're going to get forty percent of the uh, decisions wrong, and they've got to somehow deal with it. And it must be. I mean, you, you analyse it. it. Must be absolutely appalling being being under the microscope like that so much. They're bound to get stuff wrong. But I, I it, it's. I just think it's it's very it's very difficult for them, and they they assume a, a character who who. Um, um, you know, one person likes to play on a lot. One person likes to foul, and you constantly got you've got somebody in the stand analysing your performance. And uh, um, I, th- I think the best one we had is is, is our friend who's gone off to um, to Saudi, Clattenburg, who seemed to um, be unbelievably fit and on and on the uh, on the job, just absolutely up with play. But having said that, though, I you know Taylor was up with play for lots of it and still got the got the stuff wrong. Um, I don't know. Perhaps it's a question of interpretation. You can't, you know, the number of times you see 
different television angles saying, you know, look, this is the angle the referee got. You think, oh, it looks worse than it did from where I saw it or where the other angle saw it. Um, and I, I, you know, the, in the end, the answer is I don't know whether you make them, you know, you go down that route of, uh, of making them ex-players. I don't know whether that works. Um, but as you say, Chidge, paying them such an enormous amount of money Perhaps there needs to be much, some, there needs to be a consistency. Perhaps they need to meet more to discuss. Perhaps what I would like is uh, is as they do in America, which is that they have a team and the team discusses the decisions afterwards, and they become part of the package. You know, they become part of the entertainment package. But I suppose what they're trying to do is stop them from becoming personalities. But they can't help it to an extent, can they? Because they do anyway. They're on TV all the time. So they're going to have yeah, a swagger you know. about being on TV. But whether they then they're allowed to discuss whether discussing decisions would would make them appreciate the view of the fan or the view of the player more. It would make for a fascinating programme. I have to say, a fascinating mm. post-match interview. It'd be absolutely wonderful. Mm. I don't quite get why Which they're of course, not allowed we, we, to do that, you know. Well, nor do I, and I think that's that's a real uh, a real you know fault, failing of of the league. I mean, it's it, you know I think the bottom line is it, you know it's not a binary issue. It's not black and white. I, I think it's a very complicated argument. Um, I think undoubtedly it's a very very difficult job. You know that no footballer is a friend of the referee. They will do everything they can to uh, to, to get one over on the ref and, and cheat and dive and Christ knows what else. Um, and the game, I think, is a lot faster than it used to be a few years ago. So it, it, it is hard to see all this stuff. I, I have an element of sympathy with them as well. I, I think John Chips Chiverton, as, to make the last point before we move to the break, absolutely, absolutely sums this up beautifully. He says, let's be fair. If we'd spanked them, we wouldn't be talking about the refs. And I think that's a very good point. Although, as we shall probably talk on uh, talk about in, in a minute or two, um, you know, I think we were way, way better than our 2-1 uh, win, uh, you know, said. I think, you know, hitting the, hitting the bar on the post. We had a few other good chances, so I think we could well have spanked them as John would have preferred. Anyway, we're going to talk more about that in a minute uh, because after the break, uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk more about Costa. And I, I, I think he, he walked the line in a superb performance, actually, uh, rightly praised by Conte. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, the squad depth. Uh, because I, I don't know how everybody else felt, but I, I had a little ping of uh, worry when uh, Hazard, uh, you know, was announced that he wasn't playing. Um, and I actually think, you know, it's, it's about time yet again on this show, because we do, we do seem to do it regularly, but I'm going to stick up for one Gary Cahill, because I think he's a great player, and I get really sick and tired of all the criticism of him, and I think it's unfair. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll see you in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Okay, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to uh, the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, I'm delighted to say, as always, as ever, I have the very uh, the very sage Jonathan Kidd tonight talking lots of sense already, Jonathan. I know. I've taken myself aback, actually, Chidge, by being so sensible. Mm. Is it the real Jonathan Kidd this week? Is that what I want to know? Have you been, no, you know, have you been invaded a, by an alien or something? No, it's a substitute. I've got my mate Kevin to come in. Kevin. Okay, yeah. there we go. That's what, okay, I shall now call you Kevin from, Kevin from, from the rest of the show. Kevin Kidd, that's right. Uh, 
that always reminds me of a quick weird tangent. Remember that Norwich goalkeeper, Kevin? Was it Kevin Keenan? Yeah. You know, who who played at the same time? Played at the same time as Kevin Keegan. Must be very infuriating for him that just for a matter of a G, he could have had all of that fame. If he'd been on Twitter, he would have been abused. He would have been, wouldn't he? Like Chris Foy. Yeah. <laughs> so Chris Foy. Anyway, enough of that. We, 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 for anybody who hasn't listened to this show, this does happen occasionally. And uh, there's a lovely lady on Facebook who got very upset about that, which we talked about last week a little bit, but I'm not going to get drawn into that again. Um, we've also got the wonderful Dan Silver, my, uh, my right-hand man. Uh, great having uh, a few drinks with you on uh, Friday, Dan. I had a bit of a hangover, I have to say. Yeah, so did I. I think it was that last bottle of wine that did it. Yes, it was. Did yeah. we finish that last bottle of wine? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think we did. I'm sure we Good, did. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I can't. I can't remember. I was a bit squiffy by the end of the evening. It has to be. It sad, might be it was Very, very good. Marco's dad might have necked the last bit. Oh, did he? Good yeah. man. Yeah, I liked him. He was great. For yeah, me. good lad. Yeah. Um, anyway, great to have you on the show as always, Dan. And last but by no means least, we've got the lovely Oliver Harbord making his debut. And Oliver is the Chelsea FC correspondent yeah. from Football London. Uh, Oliver, how, how long have you been, you know, writing for these guys? Or how, how long have you been writing about Chelsea, in fact? Uh, well, we only started up uh, in January time. So uh, we've sort of um, only only been going for a few months. So we're definitely starting to get ourselves um, into into Chelsea and into the teams that we're covering as well and getting going. And, and I've been covering Premier League football for this season as well. Covered a bit of Watford over the season as well, which has been good fun. So just getting my feet really, uh, really into everything Chelsea at the moment. Good stuff. And you've been stupid enough to allow me to write something for you every week. Hey, it's good stuff. It's, it's, it's much better than what I'm doing. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, Oliver, you can come on the show every week. You two are fired. I'm going to just have Oliver on the show. Oh, that was, that, that see, was bad, wasn't it? it... I, I apologise. I apologise, everyone. It's all right. I didn't even pay you to say that as well. Mate, mate it's a pleasure. I love writing. So, if, if, if you know, as soon as I can get an outlet to, to do stuff, I'm always happy to do that. So, there we go. Um, anyway, we should move on with the old football. Uh, now, we did touch on Costa... Um, uh, early on and um i think we should talk more about it really because i I'm, you know bottom line is I, again you know the irritation of, of of not being at the game and you know in my case having to find a dodgy bloody internet stream to, to watch it on which took me half an hour but well, I, I was kind of listening to what was going on so you know i, I knew what was going on and uh you know, clearly Costa, as Jonathan and, and the boys were saying was hammered from the get-go and uh uh, and, and then got a yellow card uh, after 17 minutes, which, you know, given what was going on, left him in a rather precarious position. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in def- I mean, there's lots of things I want to defend about Costa in this bit. But the first thing I'm going to say, as Dan alluded to in part one, he got a booking for dissent. And I found that outrageous in itself because he was merely protesting at the fact that every time he got near the ball, some hairy-ass clodhopper from Stoke stinking of oatcakes, kicked him in the bloody ankle. I mean, the fact that he didn't get up and absolutely throttle one of these guys or butt them was a, was an absolute... I was, well, I was amazed, you know. So how dare he get booked for dissent? Um, bottom line is, Dan, you know, sinner or sinned against, I think we know where we all stand on this issue, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I mean, it's, it's, it's the rules now, I mean, because Costa's very passionate. You know, he's, he is an aggressive person, so his his kind of natural reaction will appear to most to be quite an aggressive response. The referee, referee's booked him. There's, he is definitely ref before he walks onto pitch. I've absolutely no doubts because he's Diego Costa. 
he's got a reputation. Referees will, will book him based on reputation rather than actually looking at the bigger picture, which was he was absolutely getting battered. I think he did very well to, to stay on the pitch for, for the whole match. But as I said before, in the first part, he's been sent off once in, what, 100 odd games? And that was for a very late, a very late second yellow against Everton. So he, he does have a degree of control, but he is, he is targeted by players because he, they know he's very volatile. Referees will say, right, your Costa, we're going to book you. I mean, it was, it, it was ludicrous. And it's, it's a consistency from, from referees that we want. If, they, if they're consistent week in, week out, we probably won't moan as much. But the fact they're so, so inconsistent, it's, it's, as a fan, it's absolutely frustrating to see. Um, you know, Ollie was Ollie was in the presser afterwards, so no doubt would have would have heard this fulsome uh, praise uh, from from Antonio Conte uh, about Costa. And I, I've got to be honest, Ollie, I, I really agree with it. And I, I got really annoyed that a lot of people were losing their shit on Twitter. Oh, yeah, take Costa off; he's going to get a red card. Oh, Costa's doing his this is bad, Diego. You know, I thought, no, 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 no. I mean, he's giving as good as he gets. He's not taking a step back. I actually thought. You know, he took a lot of the heat uh, for the Chelsea players. Um, and I thought he actually put in a really good team performance. And, and and actually, I thought he was really unlucky not to get on the score sheet. I mean, he hit the post late on and that would have been a cracking goal. So I, I actually think that, you know, unlike Mourinho's uh, deification of Pogba the other night, which was bordering <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the insane, I thought actually Conte was absolutely right. You know, he wasn't just backing his man for the hell of it. I think actually it was a great team performance by Costaroli. Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. And and Conte, um, for a lot of the season, has talked about, even when Costa hasn't scored, about how his team performance has been right at the very top as well. Um, you know, I, I, like many other Chelsea uh, supporters, I'm sure would have been looking after that yellow card after 17 minutes and being worried about it. And I did think at the time he might lose it, but he did gather himself very, very well. And he put into his performance the aggression needed without going over the top. Um, I think that Conte was absolutely right, spot on in his analysis of him during the game. And I think that, I think, what other, what else helped as well? I think the players around him helped. I think, you know, Cahill spoke after the game about, he did have a word with him after, uh, at half time, just to say, you know, go in and, and sort of go in hard, go in aggressive, but, you know, keep it on the, on the, uh, on the edge and not go over it. And I think that really helped him. And what I did quite like as well, I'm not sure if, if anyone spotted this as well, but when Cahill scored the goal, and obviously he ran into the crowd and a few of the other players ran into the crowd, which these days, you know, gets you, I think, a stupid yellow card for just showing some passion and actually uh, supporting with your fans. Um, Costa actually held himself back a little bit. He sort of He sort of stood around the corner flag and waited for that all to happen. You know, still celebrating, absolutely. It wasn't like he wasn't being as passionate as the others, but he held himself back a little bit just to make sure he didn't get that second yellow card. And then as soon as the players came back onto the pitch, he celebrated with them like anyone else. So maybe that's another sign that he's, he's sort of got that mentality of, of putting the team first and not doing something stupid. Mm, Jonathan, I think, you know, that's brilliant, Ollie. I agree with that. But I, I, Jonathan, I, I think what we might be seeing is a, is a real maturity from, from Costa here. And frankly, I don't think there's anybody better in the game that walks the line as well as he does. Would you agree with that? Well, completely, yeah. I, I also, but I would just to go, go back about what we're talking about, the referee. If somebody has been booked after 17 minutes, surely you're intelligent enough to notice that the opposition will then attempt to wind him up. 
Surely you can see <laughs> Good that. Point. Good point. <laughs> you know, I mean, they want because they'll want to wind him up to get him sent off. So why aren't you on the job as a ref to notice that and say you're trying to provoke him now? But do you accept that or do you think, well, I'm, I'm part of it now because you I've given you a yellow card. I'm looking for any opportunity to send you off, which, of course, is, is cheating. Can I just say, by the way, I thought Costa was wonderful yesterday on Saturday. Mm. I thought he played yeah. out of his skin. Also, considering the fact that he was on, on a yellow card, but he and, and he was about to be clattered every single time. And you almost felt how, how hazards, how hazard feels. But in this instance, he's not as he doesn't run. He's not as quick as hazard, but he's still he's still held onto the ball beautifully and beat players beautifully and put people in beautifully. And uh, and his shot at the end at the post was was more the player that we're used to seeing in the past, you know, six games ago. Get the ball back. It's you know, he's, he's having a dig and. Uh, uh, I thought he was great. Great performance from him. Yeah, yeah. Here, here. Talking of hazard, uh, Dan, uh, I think definitely uh, one that the little the little maestro would have been glad to have missed. Um, but did you did you worry about the fact that he, he was missing? I mean, I, I'll be honest, I didn't have quite the meltdown that many on Twitter did when I uh, realised he wasn't going to be playing. But I did think, oh dear, you know, because he's been he's been back to the back to his best of the last few weeks, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of things on Twitter, I think, on, on Friday night, Saturday morning, saying he hadn't travelled. I wasn't overly worried because I thought it's, it's a sort of game where he might have got kicked early and, you know, and, and disappeared and not really had an impact. I thought if you're going to bring in Pedro or William, you know, you've got two very capable, although perhaps not as good uh, replacements. And ultimately, we've got, we got, you know, that, that 13 or 40 that's played for most of the season has been very, very good. So, yes, you'll miss a player, but I wasn't particularly worried because I thought, hey, if he gets kicked, Taylor gets injured, he'll have a bigger impact over the rest of the season. So I was like, you know, Pedro's out there, Williams out there, Costa's out there, Kante's out there. We, we, we should have enough to beat Stoke despite their kicking tactics. Well, I think it absolutely does, you know, prove that, that we have greater squad depth than, than perhaps we realise, mm. Oliver. I mean, I, I thought, I thought. I thought William was very good. I mean, I, it was nice to see him back and nice to see his hair back. I, I do think he needs to go the full Jarzinho, though, uh, to, uh, to you know, I think when, if, he, if he goes massive afro, I, I think he'll be a much better player, Ollie. Would you agree with that? Oh, I think, I think the bigger the hair, the better the player. I think most definitely it's yeah, uh, Samson-esque, definitely. isn't it? Um, no, I mean, I think definitely. if you've got, a, you've got a player like William coming in, I think he's been very unlucky in the sense that he's not played quite as regularly maybe in the Premier League as he'd want to in recent weeks but that's only because Pedro's just been so brilliant as well You're so brilliant yeah um I mean it's not you know Willian is a, is a fantastic person to bring in if you like when Hazard isn't around um I felt they missed Hazard maybe in the early stages I thought the tempo was a little bit uh, slow and Hazard obviously gives you that sort of lift when he's on the ball and the extra buzz when he's going forward, but then, you know, William with that free kick, it was a brilliant, I think Lee Grant is, uh, has made a massive cock up there to, to let the ball go in. But I thought oh, yeah. that William, William made an, it was a fantastic uh, watch by William to see where the goalkeeper was and give it a go. And he's a fantastic player. And I feel slightly, uh, slightly unfortunate for him that he hasn't seen as much game time as maybe he deserves. I have to interject at this point, Jonathan. I will. I will bring you in because I, I. I really want to get you to talk about Pedro and and Kante. But uh, the wonderful I saw Alan May score has has ticked me off quite rightly, and pointed out that Jarzinho got worse as the Afro got bigger. <laughs> and actually, 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 he's right because I remember one of my favourite World Cups because I was nine and therefore I could take it in a bit better than I could the 1971 when I was five. 
but the 74 World Cup was my first kind of proper World Cup, and I saw it in colour, of course, on the old telly. And I do remember that 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 quite shit Brazilian team of the, of 74, because of course they weren't anything like the team they were in 70, and they all had the most massive kind of mid 70s afros. And and they were rubbish. Uh, so actually, he's got a massively good point there, um, Jonathan. I mean, other than William being, uh, I think, very good, I thought Pedro. I, I personally, I think Pedro was man of the match. I mean, considering you know that that I've always, well, I say always. I mean, certainly last year I moaned about the fact that he might not be up for it physically in the Premier League. Uh, he, he seems to be proving us wrong every every week. But not only did he take a clattering and stood up to it, but I thought he, he, he I mean, you know, he could have scored a brilliant goal. He was buzzing around the pit. I thought he was fantastic, mate. He was, wasn't he? What that great piece of skill when he he um, uh, took the ball with his left foot and had a shot, and then um, then it got blocked, and he got it with his right foot, and you just thought he's going to curl it in the top corner as usual. And he just leant back yeah. a bit, and it went over, and you felt, oh, I just felt for him because it would have put us two two up with, um, uh, and I think we'd have then just would have gone scored even even more goals. But yeah, he had a great game. He he has. Completely proved um, that it wasn't a, a kind of panic buy, um, and that he clearly was a um, uh, deeply skillful player at Barcelona, and is a, and he seems to get quicker and quicker actually. And I, I'm I'm what Conte does to them in training, God knows, but they seem to have the ability just to get better and better. This is why, really, mm. I said, you know, even though I have my my pessimistic trousers on all the time, I, I watch and think, oh, we'll suddenly lose six in a row, and Spurs will overtake us. You know, it's not going to happen if they just play better and better. Then he is—he has just become phenomenal. Um, you just look at him and think, you know, what he's—he's he's so quick, so speedy, and and as you say, uh, quite uh, uh, quite capable of, uh, of of looking after himself as well. Um, and and you know that it was such a shame that he got pulled down when he was through by Peters because uh, I thought he'd have scored then. He definitely, um, and uh, the referee didn't send him off because. You know, they said there was some player coming around the back, but I, I think he would have, he would have uh, taken him to the cleaners and just slotted home. But uh, um, no, he's he's he links the play brilliantly. He's a real handful. He's um, uh, makes such an effort. Um, I just he's 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 completely transformed, Chich, from as you say. When we both agreed, we both said he's too slight for this league, mm. and he's become. Uh, um, I mean, you know, they're 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 playing phenomenally. I, I'm just I'm so impressed by them as a team that, um, and I know I, the more I look at them, the more I, you watch comparable sides playing in the Champions League, and you think, well, this side as it is at the moment could go far in the Champions mm. League if we were still in it. And if he then makes these four purchases, which apparently is going to be the case according to whichever um, feed you get on Twitter, where there's going to be a hundred thousand, hundred million. Uh, Hundred thousand. I'm speaking as if it's 1960. A hundred, uh, hundred million, hundred million treasure chest. Um, uh, you go. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what players he gets in it. And and I, you get. You know, I, I read an interesting article about the fact that um, uh, Alessandro. We were questioning him at the beginning as a purchase, as we did Louise, and how brilliantly he's performed in the same way that how Pedro has performed within this. Set up. It seems to suit Pedro absolutely wonderfully playing, mm. um, playing this way. Um, and, you know, one, one one thing one one thing you mentioned, which I thought was good. You, you, uh, you know, it, 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 great coaches uh, make players better players, don't they, J.K. And well, as we and, said, and actually, it's a good. Yeah. 
Sorry, yeah. Sorry, we talked about no, go, Clough, go on, Clough, just, haven't we? We've talked about Clough in the past, getting yeah, old, getting yeah. older players who, who who weren't even great. He's made he's made average players into great players. But if you get a player who's already, you know, <laughs> fantastic, because you know they must be, because he's like Pedro's been playing for Barcelona, has had so many successful displays for Barcelona, and is has, has got so many uh, trophies. Um, uh, and you put him in an environment where he is going to express himself. Where well, you're going to be a quids in, aren't you? You've 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 got it because he is, as I said, expressing himself wonderfully. As and let's be frank, as as they all are. I, mean, I, I go back to Alessandro, who um, what was he, 24 million, but he'd been playing in a very similar formation at, at Fiorentina. So it wasn't really a kind of strange. Who is this bloke who played for for Bolton? Mm. It was somebody who was playing very well. In that same same kind of uh, of um, tactical setup, so he's he's really you know we go back to it. He's not a mug, our manager. He's a he's no, a, he's definitely not. He's, he's a, well, a look, look, very bright man. Talk, talking of improving players, uh, you know, one thing I, which we we mustn't overlook is is is, is the fact that uh, uh, we had a loftus cheeky cameo, didn't we, Dan? Um, and I, I thought it was very interesting that he brought him on at the time he brought him on because it was one all. You know, we needed the win. Uh, so it tells me that a he trusts him. Um, B I it also I, I thought he played really well. I mean he, you know, could, he created a chance, could have scored. Uh, in a, in effect, was responsible for the goal because he he pressed uh, Peters, who, who you know panicked and kicked it out instead of back to the goalkeeper. Um, you know I think a way to go, but it tells me that that, that perhaps Conte is improving him and is beginning to trust him. Perhaps Dan. Yeah, I thought it was also. I think also from a physical point of view, for the last fifteen minutes, because he's he's a big, strong player. I think that might have been part of the reason to bring him on. So Stoke to start launching it, they've got another another tall, strong player. But no, he looked good. He looked mobile. He didn't look like he was out of breath every two minutes. So he had a you know, really positive impact in, in in the last sort of fifteen minutes when he came on. And that's great about Conte. He's he's giving you know young players responsibility. He, you know, he went through a phase of bringing on Chaloba. With 10, 12 minutes to go, the game not quite won. So he obviously sees enough in training to trust all these players to give to give them game time because there are more experienced players on the bench he could have brought on. But no, no credit to Conte, credit to Dr. Chick for really, you know, have, making an impact, which people have always said to him. He, he, he's come on and hasn't really shown anything. He's came on for 15 minutes and he's given something Conte something to think about. Mm, well, long, long may that continue, and I really hope that. You know, Conte does continue to improve players like you know the, some of the young players that we've got in there. And it's a very, very young bench. Uh, one one player who is not young, Oliver, um, is the wonderful, in my view, uh, Gary Cahill, who you know with, with with JT's you know seemingly well, I, I, you know he's been absent for a lot of the season. Uh, Gary Cahill's really been the captain on the pitch for most of this season. Uh, and I thought he put in a captain's performance yesterday. True grit, never say die. Scores his fourth go- goal against Stoke, so he does chip in with uh, the important goal here and then. Um, I think you know the, f- the first because I know you wrote an article about this uh, uh, today, Ollie. But I mean, why why do you think he gets so much grief from supporters? Um, I would say first and foremost because he's not the. I'd say with his with the ball at his feet, he's not technically the most gifted. Um, player at times. I think that, you know, there are the odd occasions where he maybe slightly panics and kicks the ball. He did it quite early on in the Stoke game, maybe kicks the ball away. And and some people feel he's not, maybe just not technically gifted. And maybe there are more technically gifted uh, centre-backs uh, out there. I'm sure there are. But for me, I, I wouldn't change him at all at the moment. I think you need 
a team of leaders. You need, uh, especially when you're in this situation as well, and you're so close to the Premier League title, you just need a few more wins to get them over the edge. I think you need you need someone like Gary Cahill to be that voice. Uh, Conte is quite clearly the voice on the sidelines. You know, he never stops. He's complete. He's always pacing up and down. He's shouting at his players, but sometimes the message just doesn't get across. And I think you need someone like Cahill to to really show that leadership on the pitch. And as you say, without JT on there, who then do you look to? And you know, the one person there is there is Gary Cahill. And you know, it's maybe sometimes his performances aren't quite as good as. David Luiz or Cesar Aspilicueta, but but I wouldn't change him. Absolutely, I think he's the sort of man that will will uh, will will lead from from well from the back, being a defender, but leads you know with his performance and putting his body on the line, and then as you say, going and getting that goal and showing the passion he did, running into the crowd was great to see. Would you would you give him the armband? I'm presuming that that this is JT's last season, of course. But would would you give him the armband next season? Yeah, I think so. I don't. I don't really see anyone else. I'm not sure any of the other players would particularly. If, if Cahill's still there, I'm not sure any of the other players would particularly want it. In a way, I, I kind of feel like they they see him. I mean, let's be honest. He has been the leader this season. He's been the captain this this season. I know he's technically the vice captain, but Terry has played very little. Um, he is, you know, and I think that that carries through into next season. And I think unless his performances absolutely drop off, you know, where it comes to the point where you just have to drop him. Um, I don't think, I think a lot, he'd have the backing of everyone in the dressing room, definitely have the backing of Conte. And I think I would personally uh, back him as as a supporter. You know, I think he is the right man to, to take him on to the next season. Mm. JK, what do you reckon, mate? I mean, is, is, well, he, is he the captain in waiting, do you think? Well, I've, I think he's got better and better as the season's gone on, actually, Chidge. And um, I remember we were talking earlier in the season about that we thought that uh, that he'd be the one player to be one of the players to be replaced by a kind of super fit, uh, skillful Italian centre half, you know, probably from Juventus or somewhere like that. But um, it's that bloke uh, who looks like Dan we were talking about, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> yeah, my agent couldn't agree a deal. <laughs> Dano, Dano Silvalucci or something. Yeah. Silvino. Yes, Silvino. That's more Brazilian, isn't That's it? More, yes, it is. It's, yeah. it's Danucci. Danucci. Okay. Danucci. There we go. Danucci. There we go. But I mean, I, I think he's being. Um, everybody's aware of his status. You know, he's, a, he's obviously a Champions League winner, as in, as is Luis. I mean, some people saying that Luis should be skipper, isn't there? Some people have been saying mm. that, but. Um, I think that that's a, a possibility. He could be Chelsea captain like JT is, and and not play much if uh, if they get a better player in that position. But um, I mean, you know, he's going to be England captain this week probably. So uh, yeah, you know, uh, 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 good luck to him. I say, um, if and it's if he puts in uh, if he scores goals as well, it's it, it it's it's tricky, isn't it? We don't know what's going to go on in the uh, the manager's head for next year because he wants to win the Champions League. And he wants to win, and you know, it'd be great. If we, and we win the double. It'd be difficult this season to say, "Well, I'm sorry, um, you're not playing next season." But uh, you know, we, we, we've yet to see that kind of um, streak in Conte. But it may be that that's the case. That he says, "Right, you know, I've got a better team, and you don't play in the better team." Let's, or it might be that he plays league games. We don't know for next season because we've got we're going to have many more games, and we'll need a much deeper squad than we've got at the moment for next year. Because we are playing only yep. cup, uh, the FA Cup and the and the league. Remember, 
Yeah, we don't. I mean, obviously, next season, we, we you know, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I think, I think again, JK makes a great point there, Danucci. Um, <laughs> one thing I would say is that uh, it's no mean feat to step out of the shadow of John Terry, who's, without doubt, the greatest captain this club will ever see. Uh, yeah. And also, you know probably one of the greatest captains this country has ever seen. I mean, you know, are there, are there, are there many better captains and leaders than, than John Terry in club in, in the history of English football? I, I think there aren't. So the fact that, that Cahill stepped out of, you know, John Terry's shadow literally as a defender and also as, as a possible captain, I think speaks volume for him, particularly when he's, he's not exactly shouty man like JT, is, is, is he, Dan? Well, that's my, that's my question. I don't, he's not, he's not, a, he's not a, a shouter. He's not like John Terry. He doesn't communicate enough, perhaps. <laughs> I, I, I thought David Luiz would be um, captain next season. I, th- I think I think Cahill is 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 class class player. He's not world class, but he's he's a very very good top top end Premier League defender. I mean, to to win what he's done in the far. I think he's the first person in the quickest time to win every single trophy out there. Yep. So, so he's he's a very very good centre half. A lot of the to use the Tony Glover, the nappy shitters on Twitter. Don't rate him, but that's because he's not a he's not a FIFA PlayStation kind of footballer. A, a, a football person gets him. He's a good defender. He reads the game well. Good in the tackle. Very rarely gets but doesn't get sent off. I think he's been, he's been great for us. You can't you can't you can't know what he's achieved. Whether whether he's captain elect, I don't know. Comparing to John Terry is it's difficult because John Terry's unique. I mean, he as you, as you say, he's a once in a lifetime captain, and not many like him. So Louise is more Louise is more of a talker. We have to really see what happens next season. Who, who comes in? I, I think and I have no doubt that if there's better players to come in, you know, Conte would happily cut players. And he's he's dealt with John Terry superbly. The way he's kind of transitioned him out of the team, and there's been there's been nothing from the fans moaning about it. They they they, they trust what he's done. He's done it. He's done it really well. And suddenly, you know, JT's no longer first name on the sheet, let alone even on substitutes bench. And Conte, this is obviously for another podcast, maybe, but Conte's handled that superbly well. Yeah, no, well, I think I agree with all of that. I mean, you know, I, the, the one thing I would put in here, which is perhaps a bit, uh, makes me sound like a Brexiter, but, um, I, I, you know, I, 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 I do set a lot of store by the fact that, that of course, you know, Gary Cahill is English, and, and, I, and I, like, I like that. We are an English club at the end of the day, and I mean, I know you can all come back at me and say, yeah, but Chich, hang on a minute, how many foreigners have we got playing for us? And that's a valid point, but, you know, I think that it, 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 it I like the fact that, that Gary Cahill is English and he's our captain. But you know, I, I'm with you on that, Dan. And I, I mean, you know, I, I am I am famously the man who coined the phrase to David Luiz's face, Captain Geezer Legend. <laughs> so you know, I mean, I, I would have I would have no problem having David Luiz uh, as our captain either. I, I mean, I think it's interesting as well, Dan, is that that Luiz clearly is the one who organises the defence. I mean, he is shouty man in the defence. He's always shouting at people, pointing at them, getting in the right position. But there you go. Um, right, we should kind of move to wrap this up a little bit. But I, I can't do that without mentioning uh, Antonio Conte, uh, the king of the swingers, Oliver. I mean, what a fantastic reaction. Mean, I mean, he just every week he ups the ante even more. But I think the most important thing really was the collective reaction at the end of the game. Uh, with Conte, the players, and most importantly, the supporters. And it, it did remind me a lot of that uh, that Blackburn victory. I think they all knew what a massive three points this was for us, didn't they? Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a manager uh, swing off the dugout before in celebration. <laughs> um, it was it was a great moment, really, uh, when the goal went in. And as you say, I mean, he ran... 
He actually, the first thing he did, I don't know if they were just closest, but he ran straight up to his defenders and his goalkeepers who, a goalkeeper, sorry, who had all huddled together. And it was, he just shared the moment with absolutely everyone. Um, I just think he's, he's brilliant to, to, I mean, who wouldn't, wouldn't want to play under him really? Who wouldn't want to be on that team and, and, and sort of play under the, with the passion that he has. Um, I was talking, I was at the, um, the, uh, an audience with the other night where Cahill and Louise were speaking and they were both talking about how intense he is on the training ground. But I think that they just all love that side of it as well. I think, you know, he wants to be a winner. They, He's got that through to the players as well, that they all should be winners. And to see the celebrations with the fans is, you know, it's just great to see. I mean, he's obviously built such a connection there already. And hopefully, you know, if... I mean, so hopefully there won't be, but if, if maybe slightly uh, worse times come around at some point, that fans will stick with him because, he, you know, he is showing that sort of passion that he wants to do the best for Chelsea. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I, I mean, just before we go to the break, I just want to applaud the away support who were utterly fantastic. And, and actually, interestingly enough, because we've been moaning about songs and, and inappropriate songs for the last few weeks, and it was really good to hear a lot of kind of non-sweary old school songs like uh, One Man Went to Mo and K Sarah, Keep the Blue Flag Flying High and Flying High and We Shall Not Be Moved and La 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 Chelsea, which is great. Uh, now, before I sing any more and, and immediately everybody who's listening on Mixler uh, switches off and quite rightly so, um, I just want to have a very quick plug for the Kerry Dixon show, which of course, as you all know, I record every week with the legend that is Kerry Dixon, who is on cracking form. Um, it's available on Thursday afternoon, so make sure you download it via Acast, iTunes and SoundCloud. Now, this week, uh, there is no match to preview per se. Uh, we will have a natter about the, uh, the, the ramifications of the Stoke game. But uh, um, what I'll also do is for the second half of the show, I'm going to throw it open to uh, questions to Kerry. So Kerry and I could do a little bit of a Q&A and you can ask uh, any question you'd like of Kerry and hopefully answer it. I mean, I, I, I've done this myself with the great man. I got to ask him... Um, whether he would have ever worn a man bun the other week. Uh, if you'd have asked me 10 years ago that I would get to ask Kerry Dixon if he'd wear a man bun, I would have laughed in your face, but I have. So I'm sure you can think of much better questions than that. I'll remind you all on Twitter on the day, um, but hopefully we'll get a few questions in. And I mean, put them on Mixler now and I'll try and scribble them down for you. But uh, I can I can ask a question to Kerry and we'll have a cracking show. Now, after the break, uh, we've got some emails from Peter Bryant and Alan Gavarin for you plus news of the chelsea supporters jack whitley crowdfunding campaign which gathers a pace we'll see you in a sec away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery you in order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com Cheech. jk in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, 
and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to uh, the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, on the tonight's show, we've got, as always, got the lovely Dan Silver. Hello. And we've got uh, the first-timer, who's, I think, doing very, very well, actually. I think a good debut, very solid debut from the wonderful Oliver Harbord of uh, Football.London. Oh, passing, thank you very much. <laughs> so far, so good. There we go. So far, so good. It's all right, there's still another half to go, Oliver. It could all go downhill from here. <laughs> I mean, this will be, be quite easy. I mean, you know, we've got quite a few emails and plugs to give out, and we seem to be getting more and more emails these days, but... What I try and do is I try and weave in a few questions for us. So uh, um, really, that'll be questions for you and Dan. Otherwise, you two will probably fall asleep <laughs> with Jonathan and I enjoy Jonathan reading the email out. But I'll, I'll try and remember to talk to you uh, so you don't get too upset like Dan did the other week, didn't you, Dan? <laughs> no, it was all right. That's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> right. Um, and of course, finally, finally, uh, the man, the ever-present on the Chelsea fancast uh, with me is, of course, the uh, sagacious... Jonathan Kidd. The sagacious, how lovely to use that mm. word. Thank okay. you so much. I do. Ooh, yes, I almost feel like Stephen Fry when I come out with Bon Mo like that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yes, my clearly st- I'm much funnier. Your sagacity knows no bounds, Chidge. Very good. Yes, indeed. I, I'm much funnier than Stephen Fry and not quite as fat. Uh, now, uh, we've got, I think we've got about two, I've, I've split them up this week, JK, uh, for, for reasons that will become apparent later on. But I think we've got a couple of absolute belters to kick us off in this part. And then we may have three or four in the, in the second part, as it were. They're all good. Um, so I've got three in the, in the second part. So there we go. So there's five in all. So do you want to kick off the first one? I'd love to. This is from Peter Bryant. Uh, Chidge and the team. I think the pod is great, and it certainly brightens up my commute. I love the liquidator, or at least I did. It helps me get going before the game. A few weeks ago, I heard that we hate Tottenham had crept into the liquidator, but I couldn't imagine how. I was in the East Lower for the Man U Cup game. I thought the atmosphere overall was great, but I, I can't be doing with all the negativity in songs like me when we have so much, so much positivity around the bridge at the moment. Now, I'm not blessed with much rhythm, if any, but the hating Tottenham bit in the liquidator threw me completely, meant I couldn't get the clapping right, so I just stopped altogether. Can't we go back to the liquidator as it was meant to be? 
when watching games on TV, I don't hear other teams' fans chanting about old players or how much they hate other teams. It's such a shame because there are so many good things we can sing about. My first game was against Leicester in 1968 with my dad, and he started going with his dad. And his dad's dad lived 200 yards from Stamford Bridge before we were formed. Although I don't go as much as I used to or would like to, I still get an amazing buzz when I walk in the place. So many great memories, too many to mention, but one of the most vivid was the 1970 Cup final. I was 10. When Leeds went 2-1 up after 83 minutes, I burst into tears and went to my bedroom, only for my mum to shout up a couple of minutes later that we'd equalised. I didn't believe her at first, but that's when you realise how much it means to you, and it still does. When J.K. talked last week about how he struggled to contain himself in 1997, he reminded me of my feelings also in 1997. I was in a pub in Chelsea and really struggled with my emotions. Sorry, I've gone on a bit, but I've enjoyed writing it. If you read it out, great. If not, no worries. Well, we have, Peter. All the best and keep up the good work. I appreciate the effort you put in and save the liquidator. Regards, Peter whose Twitter handle is at Stamford SW3. Good for you, Peter. Well, as you know from listening to the show, I completely agree with you. I think it is absurd to be constantly singing about old players. The Frank Lampard song is fair enough if he's there in the ground, but to keep on singing it is ridiculous. Um, let's sing songs about all the current players, please. Um, let's sing songs that do not hate Tottenham in all of them. I can't abide it. And as Chidge, as you said, the, at Stoke, everybody went through um, you know, the great lexicon of songs we've got at Stoke. And it was great. So I think there's a big difference, actually, between away fans who seem to get what it's like to battle against the, the opposition fans who are all there. And so they come up with everything to sing. And at home, where we seem to go this litany of ridiculous We Hate Tottenham songs. And interesting enough, I, there's a, an actor who I think was just in Assassin's Creed, a young English actor called Callum Turner, who I met the other day. And um, he's a big Chelsea fan. Chelsea badges all over his jacket. Lives in World's End. And, um, and I said, uh, um, I said, what do you sing at the ground? Where do you go? And he's in East, East Stand uh, Lower, I think he said he was in. Uh, West Stand, uh, um, anyway. Um, no, uh, Matthew Harding Lower, I think he said he was in. And, uh, and he said... Uh, um, yeah, he said, I love them. I love all the, all the anti-Tottenham songs. He said, I love that bit in the Liquidator where we sing that. I love it. I absolutely love it. He's a, he's a, he's a boy of 23, I think. And I said, uh, I said, don't you think it's ridiculous? No, mate, I don't. No. And he suddenly got a bit vicious with me. And I actually thought, God, I'm, <laughs> I wonder whether, whether I'm a bit of an old git here, suggesting that we shouldn't be singing the anti-Tottenham songs. And actual fact, they like to have a team that they hate in the songs, which... You know, but as 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 Peter says here, you know, all you have to do is listen to all the Man United songs whenever they're at home, and you don't hear you don't hear all these constant songs about current players or hating teams. All right, there's an anti, there's the odd anti Liverpool and the odd anti Manchester song that United sing, but most of the time they're these big anthems. And obviously, we haven't got them, but we've got enough songs. Sorry, I'm going on about songs too much. Anyway, but you know my point, Chidge. So uh, I think I think Peter's well, I, absolutely you know, got it right. He's absolutely got it right. So it was some somewhat serendipitous. Well, it was. I think oh, I, I can't even speak after that. You 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 flummox me with your, your passion, but. Yeah, that that too. I think it was very appropriate that that was a the first email tonight, and b uh, you got to read it out because I know you've been banging on about it for quite a while. And 
do you know? Do you know, Jonathan? Um, as it happened on the Man United uh, at the Man United game, um, I was standing uh, with uh, my wonderful uh, ex uh, Chelsea fancaster Darren Mantle. For those of you who remember Darren, lovely man and uh, a lovely la- yeah, lovely man, lovely man, uh, smelly farts, but a lovely man. Um, and the wonderful Sean O'Connor from New York Blues, and uh, we were all standing up, looking forward to the liquidate it came on, and 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 then we got this. We had Tottenham in the middle of it, and and, and, and you know, I just thought, what? And I I was I was very cross, and I was telling people to shut up with all this nonsense. Shut it, shut it. I was saying. But because I just, you know, it does. It, the, 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 you know, the, we don't have we hate Tottenham in the liquidator. There are plenty of other occasions when you can hate Tottenham and say we hate. Stand up if you hate Tottenham. Fair enough. You know, um, I mean, I, I just don't get it. Stop ruining good songs. I mean, I, I, you know, I love, I love hating Tottenham and I love, um, you know, singing songs about hating Tottenham. In a, why don't you sing? If I had the arse of a sparrow, if I had the wings of a crow, I'd fly over Tottenham tomorrow and shit on the bars below. If, you know, if you want to sing something creative about hating Tottenham, sing that. But it's, you know, it's not... I mean, surely we, we, we can hate other people as well as Tottenham. I mean, you know, Liverpool, Man United. What was that wonderful song we used to sing in the early 70s, Jonathan? We hate not... What, we, we hate Nottingham Forest, we hate Arsenal too. We hate everybody. We hate Leicester United, but Chelsea, we love you. See, we love you. I know, you know, so I, I, I just don't like... I'm a traditionalist. I'm a traditionalist. I don't like the songs being but ruined. I am, I, am, I, am I... Getting... No, no, you're oh. not being wrong. Chich, as I've said, it diminishes you. It's only small teams do it. Fulham do it. Fulham sing that their Fulham song with "We Hate Chelsea" in it in the same way. Fulham do it. Rangers do it. We're huge in comparison with them. We don't need to sing that. Yeah, yeah. A- I think Blow Up North has just come up with a cracker here, Danucci, uh, which which should never be forgotten, and of course will resonate with me and 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 uh, and Grandpa uh, Kid over there. Uh, we all hate Leeds and Leeds exactly. and Leeds, and, <laughs> you know, Leeds and Leeds. You know, so we, but but Dan, are we, are we, are we, Jonathan and I being very, I mean, we, I think we 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 run the risk of sounding like Waldorf and Stat, uh, Waldorf and Statler from the Muppet Show, possibly. But I mean, have we got a point? Has, has Peter got a point? I totally agree with him. I think uh, what I don't understand is when this, the Steven Gerrard song comes up at home to Brentford in the FA Cup, and what is a fucking point? We're not playing Liverpool. Try and make the, the you know make it. Chelsea songs about what's going on, you know, you know, find songs for County, find songs for new players. Yes, throw in a few old school ones, but not the liquidated proper Chelsea. We don't want to throw Tottenham into that. I, mean, I heard West Brom play it on Saturday morning. I was like, what the f- they're playing our song. What's going on here? No, uh, they, they always have. They always have. I think that's the first time I've heard it. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. No. Okay. But I just. Because it, it, it was a good, it was a big skinhead song in the late 60s, yeah. Dan. That's why. I just thought we. So if you had a bit of a skinhead following, and of course, remember there was a lot of scar going on in Birmingham yeah. too. So right, fair West point. Ham have had it as long as we have. Yeah. From what I understand. Okay, yeah. I just, well, that, that aside, just they've got their just two the... throttles. You know, their throttles. They come yeah. from America. So the two throttles. They both dance to it. Ah, they've, okay. they've, only, they've only just brought it back again. They got rid of it and they brought it back again this year, apparently. Ah, okay. Fine. I was like. No, what? Jonathan. I've I've heard them singing. I've heard them singing uh, Liquidator. For a long time. No, no, no. But Seriously, they, they mate. did. No, they did, Chidge. They did um, for ages and ages, and then they didn't have it for a bit. Would you believe? Because I bought a. Um, this is, you know, my bad. Because I bought a, a, a corporate West Brom ticket a few years ago. I get all the West Brom um, 
uh, info. And they said, one of their letters said, which I try and delete immediately, one of their letters said, we are bringing back the liquidator this season, which we haven't okay. had for some time. They said that. Well, so, I, I think unofficially they, they, they've sung it. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I, we need to remember that Oliver is also here and is probably thinking, <laughs> what have I walked into? Um, you know, Oliver, obviously you can tell that me, Jonathan and Danucci are rather cross about this. Um, where, where do you stand on it? Yeah, well, I, I agree with you in the sense that um, I think that fans should celebrate the success and there's no much more success going on at the moment than Chelsea. And, and you know, why be negative when you have so much success surrounding that just just sing about that. Sing about being top of the league. Sing about the players that are playing so well for you. You know, sing about. I I quite like singing about old old players. Um, you know, I think there's there's quite a nice nostalgia value in that as well. But you know, there's no need to be negative about about singing about ne- teams, especially when you're not even playing them. I completely agree with with Dan on that one. Um, what's the point, really? They're not going to hear you, are they? So why why sing it? Um, and I think just celebrate the success and, and get all the songs going that make you feel good and, and what's going on around Chelsea at the moment. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a slight counterpoint before we, we move on, which, of course, we must, but uh, I, I thought Jonathan's point about his young acting chum was quite quite interesting, actually. Um, and, and, I, and I'll be really honest with you, actually. Uh, in, in a sense, I don't have a problem with a you know the youngsters uh but you know being vociferously anti-tottenham and hating tottenham because tottenham are our traditional rivals and it's mm. you know in this in the modern age it's, it, it it a lot of people lose sight of that and they just think it's whoever's you know our, our rival at the moment you know city barcelona psg arsenal whatever and actually i think it's very much part of the culture of this club that we that we have we have a bitter rivalry with Tottenham, so I, I think in in a sense I'm quite glad that they that they embrace that. I, I the only issue that I have, I don't have an issue with people wanting to hate Tottenham and having having a rivalry with them. What I have an issue with is that is is them ruining a very special song for us. That's what I have. Anyway, we should move on. Uh, we got a lovely uh, email, Jonathan, from our, our our great mate Alan Gavaran again. Is it Gavaran or Gavarin? Gavaran, I say Gavaran, you say Gavarin. No, no, I would say Gavaran as well. No, I would say Gavaran. Okay. Alan Gavaran. Should we just call him Alan? Alan, yeah, it's better that way. Yeah, yeah. Let's call. No, let's call him Alan. No, no, it's not. not. He's also um, uh, Peter Osgood signed my leg or something uh, on here occasionally. I don't know if he's in tonight, but uh, he's quite often on that. That will be revealed later. It's a good story. Okay. Dear children, the boys. I know the email section is threatening to take over the whole podcast. Oops. But I was. I was moved to write by Phil's excellent email about encounters or otherwise with our Chelsea heroes. What a fantastic email. So many amazing near misses and the best philosophy jokes in Joey Barton. <laughs> I've two stories to That's add funny. to the collection. The first is easy. It's my Mixler name, Ozzy Sign My Broken Leg, and it does what it says on the tin. In 1966, my dad took me to the old Chelsea training ground just off the Edgware Road near Brent Cross. As the guy in Spinal Tap says about the band's first venue, the Electric Banana, don't go looking for it because it's not there anymore. We lived nearby and it was a trip to cheer me up because I had broken my leg in a car accident having run out between two parked cars outside my primary school. No health and safety zigzags in in those good old days. I seem to remember the players training on a mud bath of a pitch. And then, as they were coming off, the great man came over and signed my plaster. What an amazing thing for a six-year-old. What a gent. The second story relates to one of the players mentioned by Phil, 
or was it JK adding to the email? It may have been. In the late 90s, when my kids were young, my wife and I decided to get an au pair to help look after them. My wife gave me CVs complete with photos of four European young women applying for the role. <laughs> Recognising this for the trap that it possibly was, I dutifully selected the plainest, least attractive of the four applicants, a lady called Petra from Slovakia. All I can say is that the standard of photography in Eastern Europe must have been considerably worse than over here, because when Petra arrived, she was drop-dead gorgeous. My wife was as shocked as me. Petra was a lovely au pair, and she made sure she took full advantage of the opportunities of the London nightclub scene. She used to go out clubbing in such tiny clothing that on one occasion my wife had to tell her it wasn't really suitable to go on public transport dressed in that way. Perhaps clothing was also rationed in Slovakia. She usually came back very late, but one <laughs> night we were woken at 5 a.m. by the noise of a Porsche 911 roaring out in the street with sounds of much carousing, laughing and possibly canoodling. Great work. When Petra finally came into the house, we asked what the hell was going on. And she told us that she just got a lift home from none other than Celestine Babayaro. Perhaps the noise was him showing off his backflips. Or perhaps not. I almost thought it's red bollocks there, actually. But anyway, sorry. Anyway, if only I had known, I could have got... <laughs> <laughs> It looked like it when I came to it. <laughs> if, if only I had known, I could have gone out and thrown a bucket of cold water over Baba. Not quite a Chelsea legend, but someone who clearly knew how to have a good time. Alan Gavarin, Aussie sign my broken leg. And his Twitter handle is at Rootless Cosmo. Brilliant. You, you know what, JK? You know what, JK? If uh, yeah, quite right. Fantastic email, uh, Alan. He's uh, that's one of the best we've ever had. I think. Um, I just thinking that if if if, uh, if she'd have snuck in uh, with with Celestine Babayoro, uh, Alan may have heard a few kind of whoa Babayoros. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> or not. That's just, that's, I, I don't really know what to say to that. <laughs> it's just absolute quality, isn't it? I mean, I can reveal, I can reveal, this is a bit of a weird one. I don't know if I really should do this on air. Um, how can I do this without, uh, it's a bit like that thing that Cundy does on, on Talk Sport, where he yeah. has to be very careful what he says in case people sue. But um, I, I knew, and still do know, because I work with her, a very lovely, gorgeous uh, glamour model uh, with very large breasts. And I also happen to know a very lovely Czech girl, uh, at the time and I'm not going to go into details about that but I remember I was out somewhere and I got a phone call on my mobile phone and I thought it was the Czech girl but in fact it was the glamour model and I had this conversation with the glamour model thinking it was the Czech girl for about 15 minutes but the long and the short of it was that she was telling me and she'd rung me up because I'm a Chelsea fan because she was uh, being bought Krug champagne by none other than Mikel who was getting very fresh with her in this nightclub. Uh, that's all I'm prepared to say about that, uh, because I don't want to be sued. Um, I think, uh, is there, would, would either Oliver or Dan like to comment on this uh, very massively football-related email? Dan? Um, well, it's not like Babro to get that close to anybody he's marking, so well done, Celestine. <laughs> well done, yeah, yeah, indeed. I like that, I like that, yeah, yeah. Oliver? 
I, I really don't know what to say to it. To be honest, I'm trying. I'm trying, I'm trying to keep my keep my innocence here. <laughs> trying to keep your career as well, mate. I think. Yeah, a little bit, no, maybe I mean, part of it. <laughs> Alan, Alan is a, is a lovely bloke. He writes in a lot, but I have to say, he surpassed himself with that email. That it's is a fantastic email. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we, we should also mention, of course, how wonderful it is for him as a kid to get his plaster signed by Peter Osgood. I mean, I, 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 there are so many Peter Osgood stories we could tell. We could, we could almost dedicate a whole show to it. Uh, and I, I mean, I know that most people have heard my Aussie story and uh, and, uh, uh, and and read it possibly in CFC UK. So I'm not going to bore you with all that again. Um, right. I, what I am going to do is I'm going to um, I'm going to bore you with uh, the Chelsea Supporters Trust Jack Whitley crowdfunding campaign that um, I talked to you all about on the show last week. And, uh, you know, we launched it slightly before, I think a few days before that. Um so just in case you you haven't heard and uh, uh, you want an update or or, or or whatever, I don't care. I'm reading it out anyway. So there you go. But basically, we're raising £5,500 to recognise uh, <coughs> a former Chelsea player, Jack Whitley, with a memorial on his grave in Brompton Cemetery. Now, the aim of the crowdfunding project is to raise enough money to, to erect a memorial marking the final resting place of one of Chelsea Football Club's most loyal servants, Jack Whitley. He's the only Chelsea footballer we know to have been buried in the cemetery next door to Stamford Bridge. Now, he served the club loyally and with distinction from the age of 29 to 61 as first-choice goalkeeper from 1907 to 1914 and then as first-team trainer from 1914 to 1939. Now, he died at Tring in Hertfordshire uh, on the 5th of July 1955, a few months after the club won the league title for the first time in 55, aged 77. Uh... Now, sadly, at the moment, uh, it's just a common grave with no stone to acknowledge Jack's presence and his long association with the club just across the railway line. Now, as he's the only occupant of the grave, we aim to obtain the relevant permissions and place, uh, place a ledger or a flat slab with a suitable inscription on repaying the commitment Jack showed to Stamford Bridge and Chelsea Football Club. Now, to do this, as I said, we need to raise around £5,500. And that is where, of course, the great Chelsea family come in. Uh, as well as chipping in with what you can afford yourself, please help make every Chelsea supporter you know aware of the crowdfunding exercise. Now, we propose an, we propose an inscription along the following lines. In affectionate memory of John Jack Whitley, 11th of April 1878 to 5th of July 1965, loyal servant of Chelsea FC for 32 years, goalkeeper and first-team trainer, who asked to be buried next to his beloved Stamford Bridge, funded by Chelsea FC supporters 2017. Now, uh, so far, I shall tell you exactly how much we've done, but um, we, we've pretty much, uh, as I said, we've only been going for, for about a week, and I can tell you that the response has just been absolutely astonishing. I mean, absolutely astonishing. Um, I, I never doubted it for a second. You know, Chelsea supporters, in my experience, are some of the best and, and most generous people you can possibly uh, possibly find anywhere. And uh, as I as I say, I think that we're pretty much raised. We've already raised over three thousand, about three thousand two hundred. I think the last time I looked earlier on today, so over fifty percent, getting on towards sixty percent. Um, the Chelsea Supporters Trust. We are going to make a significant donation this week, and when I say significant. We're talking a few hundred quid, possibly 500 quid this week. Um, so we're getting close, but obviously we need to crack on. So 
you know, tell your friends, dip your hand in your pocket, uh, and 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 let let's get this thing done. I mean, what, uh, many people have asked us, you know, why we didn't just you know phone up Roman and say, uh, Mr. Abramovich, would you mind donating? Well, we could do that, and actually, he's more than welcome to to donate. I mean, I, you, know, I, you never know; he may well have done already. Bottom line was, we felt it was something that really, uh, you know, it befalls on the supporters to do this kind of thing. We wanted to make it a fan-led project. And in, in a sense, we, we were very keen that that would happen. So, and it looks like it is. So keep up the good work, people. Thank you to all of those who have donated so far. If you want to donate, uh, then all you have to do is to go to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Jack hyphen Whitley hyphen Grave. And that's W-H-I-T-L-E-Y. Uh, and while you're at it, uh, many have actually. There's been a big uptake in uh, members for the trust recently, possibly because people are, are very enamoured of what we're trying to do with this. But it's it's very easy. All you have to do is pay us a fiver to become a voting member. It's free for non-voting members. But frankly, why would you just do that? Just pay a fiver. You get a nice badge as well. Uh, anyway, all you have to do is sign up at chelseasupporterstrust.com which means you can come to any of the meetings that we have or the events, vote on the issues that directly affect you and make sure you get your voice heard by the club. Uh, and there you go. Uh, follow them on Twitter, of course, at Chelsea S Trust. So what do you think about that, uh, Jonathan? I think it's completely wonderful. And uh, I wonder if there are any other players buried in the cemetery. I was under the impression that... Um, uh, I know some of the... Uh, the directors were buried there, weren't they? Yeah. The original directors. Yeah. The Mears, the Mears family yeah, the Mears. And, and Claude Kirby, I think, is, a, is another director. There's a few of them are there. Bobby Campbell, of course, more recently has been buried there. And I know a lot of supporters, people who listen to this show, they've got relatives buried in, in Brompton Cemetery. So it has a real affinity with the club. But from, from what I understand from Rick... Um, he uh, Jack yeah, the only former player. Yeah, that's why it's so special and, and unique in a way. Oliver, have you have you come across? I mean, have you, are you aware of the campaign that we've been running? Yeah, I saw I saw the campaign uh, that you guys started up, and it, it's a fantastic cause. I think things like this for supporters' trusts are, are so important to any club. I mean, I've got to say, actually, I've had seen it firsthand myself today. I was down at um, the High Court where Leighton Orient were having their. Uh, winding up petition mm. heard in the high court and I was down there and and just seeing the supporters trust you know so worried about what's going on about their club there at the moment um you know it, it's, it's things like this are so special to to fans supporters and they really have to be you know they have to be honored and and to see what you guys are doing with that is is absolutely superb and and you know on a, a personal note as well to the Leighton Orient guys I hope that they get what they 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 can and I hope that everything works out for them as well because you know supporters trust do so much for the club and it means so much to to so many people so yeah it's a great absolutely great cause that you guys are doing there now there you go thank you Oliver that's really lovely of you to say so right now uh, after the break uh, we've got some more emails for you uh, from the lovely some new emails from people that we've not heard of before possibly I could I think Mike's probably sent one in but we've got Chris Strugnall Mike Clark and Paul Marjoram uh, plus a few plugs uh, for people that I love. We'll see you in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com
Welcome back. I'm, I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast, and we are already in part four. How did this happen? It's absolutely whizzed by tonight. Um, it's actually, I'll be honest with you, I've really enjoyed the show tonight. Uh, I think that we can thank Oliver Harbord from Football.London, the Chelsea correspondent of for basically making us very sensible tonight. Do you think, Jonathan, would you agree with that? Completely. Uh, my, my, um, he, he obviously has a dial that is, he got a sensible dial and, uh, yeah. and his is at 10 and, um, and it's forced mine to go right down to uh, my, um, yeah. my, my behavior to become uh, even more sensible. And I'm actually a bit worried that I am becoming more and more sensible. <laughs> well, mate, I have to say, I think this is the most sensible and coherent <laughs> and cogent that you've been for on a very the show for as long as I can remember. And, uh, I, even I've toned it down. He's, I mean, Oliver's turned yours and my dial down. I mean, you know, it, you know normally in, in true spinal tap form that we are dialed up to number 11, aren't we, Jonathan? Yes, that's true. So, yes. you know, he, yes. he's done very well. Um, Dan, of course, who's always sensible, and as a result, I think possibly enjoyed this show more than he normally does. Cause you, I don't know. You tell me. No, it's always a pleasure to be on. J.K.'s a yin to my yang. <laughs> oh, very good. Very, very good. Very, very good. Um, um, I should warn you now, actually. I mean, I've been all over the shop this week. I did the I did the London is Blue podcast uh, last night with the wonderful uh, Brandon B. Busby. The Brandon's the one that goes, come on, you blues. And uh, and the lovely Nick Villaney, who is the uh, Bob, Bob, Bob Budker of the, uh, the London is Blue podcast. Uh, and they were lovely. I really, really enjoyed it. Dan Dormer was off in Rome, so they kind of brought me in as a bit of a, of a sub. Do you know what they called me, JK? It's just, I love this. The you know what they called me? The Chidster? No, no, no. This is, this, this is the best compliment I have ever had. They called me the Podfather. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Love it. I, you know? Brilliant. I mean, I was just... Yeah, man, I was just I was pumped for that. I tell you. Um, anyway, in, uh, it's a great it's a great show, and I do love the old the old Yanks, as as you know. Um, so uh, give it a listen. It's got me on it this week, which I know might be a bit annoying for you, but uh, uh, give it a listen. Um, also, Nick Valaney is going to be guesting on the Chelsea Fancast. I've reciprocated, and he will be on the show on the 18th of April, after the Man U away match, I believe. And uh, talking of other podcasts, I managed to get a two-minute rant onto a Stoke podcast yesterday, which I think shocked them a bit. Um, and, uh, and of course, Oliver's chums at uh, Football London. You, you do your own podcast too, don't you, Oliver? Yeah, we started our own uh, Blue is the Colour podcast that we do weekly. Um, we try to do one for all the clubs that we cover as well. And uh, so far, so good. Yeah, it seems to be going going quite well. And you stupidly asked me to come on once. Yeah, twice. absolutely. Well, yeah, the first one, really. Whenever you're free, you're more than welcome. As as you know, anyone is as well. If Dan or Joy, JK go. fancy being on it as well, then you know we'd love to have uh, as many fans' voices on there as well. Yeah, I'd love to. There we go. We, we are available. We are all available yeah. for other podcasts when asked, aren't we, boys? You know, always, always keen. Yeah, we're far always, too, yeah. far too, <laughs> far too keen. <laughs> yeah. As you will probably know, I mean, the the, the whole. Chelsea podcast network is incredibly incestuous. Uh, as Andy Silverman has just said on Mixler, uh, Chidge, the pod slag, laugh out loud, pimping <laughs> out uh, all over the place. Yep, you got it in one. Anyway, we should move on. I've got some, I've got some great stuff to plug out uh, as, 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 as we're here. I mean, you may have mentioned, I may remember me saying last week that the lovely Alex Churchill, who, who I, I'm in love with totally, there's no other way of putting it, um, 
She uh, writes a fantastic blog uh, under the name of Girl Who Likes Balls, uh, which I'm annoy- annoyingly enough, I didn't put up this week. I- I- I've kind of got it up. There was a draft. I'll try and get it out. Jonathan, I know, has read it because he, he nicked one of her best lines earlier. And I did. If you don't think I didn't notice, Jonathan, I did. Oh. Um, anyway. Ooh, Mind uh, you, I didn't but, call, uh, she's... Kids, I didn't call Pedro Pesto, though, did I? No. That's right. That's her. That's auto spell, isn't it? Yeah. Um, anyway, bottom line is she's got a she's collating all of these articles that she does every week up into a book at the end of the season. It's going to be called Curl Who Likes Balls, following Chelsea home and away, two thousand and sixteen to seventeen, and it, you can get it from Amazon on Kindle for one ninety nine, and you can pre order it now. So go and do it. Um, just a very quick last minute shout out. You you will remember me last week, and uh, well, you you remember I put up a blog on the Fancast website. Uh, about this poor lad who uh, who is autistic and uh, you know got himself into trouble because he uh, well he just didn't really understand the ramifications of buying uh, pyro and trying to take it into a ground and of course he got properly uh, you know pun well I mean he's up on criminal charges he's all he's facing a football banning order and the club have already banned him from what I understand um, now we all know that it's wrong. You can't, you cannot, must not do pyro. It is dangerous. It looks great on the telly. The Europeans get away with it, I know, but it is illegal here. Uh, but uh, I think in, in lieu of the fact that this chap is uh, is only eighteen, he's autistic, he's got learning difficulties. I think some, uh, a, you know, a little bit of mercy uh, could be shown here. And his, he's got a barrister, a guy called David Hislop, who is representing him tomorrow morning. Uh, so if you would like to show uh, uh, some support for this lad uh, and ask for a bit of leniency on him, then you would like you, you might like to write to d.hislop at Doughty Street, which is d-o-u-g-h-t-y street dot co dot uk. Uh, but you need to do it tonight because uh, Dave's off uh, defending this lad tomorrow morning. Um, bit of an unusual request, but I, I feel quite strongly about this. As you know, I, I work in the mental health services, so... Uh, uh, it's close to my heart. So good luck with that. Uh, finally, um, I, I, another quick uh, plug for John King's new book, uh, The Liberal Politics of Adolf Hitler, which you can get on Amazon. It's a cross between A Brave New World, A Clockwork Orange, and 1984. Uh, if you know John's books, Human Punk, Football Factory, Skins, then you'll know he is a superb writer, as well as being an absolute dyed-in-the-wall, lovely bloke and Chelsea supporter. He's also doing some Human Punk gigs uh, at the 100 Club in April on the 21st of April and the 23rd no sorry the 22nd and the 21st of April at the 100 Club um, check out Star Green and wegottickets.com for those all sorts of people Booze and Glory The Warriors Knock Off Angry Itch all sorts of punk bands he does a lot of human punk gigs they're great so there you go uh, right now what I did promise talking of bands actually um, Dan and I pr- promised our mate Pablo that we would plug uh, now, The Beautiful Game. Now, if you don't know who The Beautiful Game are, The Beautiful Game, uh, very kindly, because they're really good mates of ours, but they allowed us to use uh, one of their tracks as the intro and the outro music to the Chelsea fancast. Uh, and Pablo, who used to be on the fancast, uh, was a regular on the fancast, is now their bassist. And the wonderful Lawrence Bernavia and uh, Jason Crown. Jason Crown is the singer, Lawrence is the lead guitarist. Uh, both big, big, big Chelsea fans. Both been on the show before, so there's a big Chelsea fan cast connection with these boys. Now their debut album, "Line the Streets," is available to pre-order on iTunes. Uh, it's out uh, on the 24th of March, uh, and the official album release and launch gig will be at the Fiddler's Elbow in Camden on Friday, the 24th of March. So if you're in the manor, 
uh, and you want a good night out, and I tell you, as a live band, they are absolutely brilliantly. Uh, they're brilliant, so you, you'll get, you'll have a great night out. So go and check them out. It'll be cheap. It'll be about a fiver or something. So Fiddler's Elbow, Camden, Friday the 24th of March. Album, Line the Streets, is available the same day. No doubt, knowing those lads, it will be an absolute corker. So there you go. Enough plugs, I think. Time for more emails, Jonathan. Just say we've supported my band, the Rudy V's, have supported uh, the Beautiful Game, and they are excellent. Have you really? Yes, we did. I I. I did not know that. Did you not yeah. know that? Oh, I was there. Yeah. Yeah. I was at Kentish Town. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're fantastic. Brilliant. And um, uh, Pablo is a great bass player. Terrific band. Mm. Terrific. Really recommend seeing them. And Bob will buy the album. It'll be great. They're excellent. Anyway, let us continue. This is from Chris Strugnell. Hi, Chigwell and the boys and girls, if applicable. I like that name for you, Chidge. Chigwell, unless Chigwell. it's unless it's hmm. um, unless it's uh, um, is, is it auto auto corrected? Yes, maybe auto Chigwell. I'd rather call you Haynalt, actually. Anyway, um, oh, very good. Thank you very, good. Thank you very like much. It. Or Loughton. It's where you um, end up when you're drunk on the central line. <laughs> yes, isn't it? exactly. Every time. Yes, yes, I've been there. No, I actually ended <laughs> the up the Cock, Cock Fosters Cock of Fosters. East London. I ended up at Cock Fosters the other day. <laughs> But I wasn't drunk. That's a long story. Anyway, um, uh, I'm a South African Chelsea fan. Bravo. I love it. I love it. The fact that we're all around the world. I think it's brilliant. Uh, My love of Chelsea starts back when I was in primary school and all my friends asked which Premier League team I supported. They all seem to support the obvious Liverpool, Arsenal and Man U. So I decided to watch a few games to see what team I would be supporting. The one team that really caught my eye was Chelsea. I like to go against the crowd and just absolutely love the watching the contrast between the six foot something uh, Tori Andre Flo and the five foot nothing Zola, the magician. That was me done. Even through all the abuse I got for choosing a nothing club, I did not care. I was in love. When we won our first title for many a year in 2004, I was ecstatic. Of course, I got the usual line of you're only a glory hunter, but couldn't care less. My passion for Chelsea had managed to persuade my wife's family to start supporting Chelsea, except my late father-in-law, who was an avid United fan. We always had lively debate over the football, never got too over the top. In 2007, I was lucky enough to get over to London and watch the Chelsea live. My very first game I attended was versus Newcastle. I remember arriving at Fulham Broadway Station and hearing the chants of the Chelsea fans to the away supporters. Joey Barton is a jailbird. This made me love the club and supporters even more, if possible. I had a cheeky Nando's. I had a cheeky Nando's, as has become a ritual before every game I've attended. I just arrived in England that day, the 26th of December 2007, and did not even have a ticket for the game. I'm ashamed to say I took a chance and paid a scalper £100 for a ticket in the East Upper with the face value of £56. That is how desperate I was to get to a game. All games thereafter, I've got through the normal means. It was the best experience of my life. For the Champions League final, I had a few mates over to watch. Between myself and my sister-in-law, managed to scare some rugby fans as they never knew people could have such passion for a club. My best mate, a Man City fan who was born in Manchester, so we can forgive him for that, took me to Mauritius for my stag week. While we were there, we met a couple from London who had just got married and were also Chelsea fans. 
when they heard it was my stag do and I'm a Chelsea fan, she offered to do a strip show for me, hmm. which I politely declined. <laughs> what a fool. This just shows how good Chelsea fans really are. Nowhere near plastics, as many other fans suggest. For my honeymoon, we went over to London, and the first, ga first game my wife got to see live was the 8-0 win against Aston Villa. So I couldn't think of a better game to take your significant other for their first game. The time I've gone over, I've seen the legends of management, Avram Grant and the fat Spanish waiter. I'd love to come over to see Conte, but I'm worried that as soon as I make plans, the manager gets sacked. I don't think there's a chance of that. These are just some of the stories and reasons that will always be a, that will always be a Chelsea fan. I've been lis listening to the fan cast for around a year now. Look forward to hearing every week and keep up the great work. When I get a chance to come over again, would love to meet you gents for a pint and a small chat. Up the Chelsea. Here, here. Thanks. Yeah. Chris Strugnall. Here, here. Marvellous. Sorry, I, I hear it over the Chris Strugnall bit, so sorry about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely always up for a beer. Um, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of glad. I mean, I love hearing these stories about how uh, how people um, found Chelsea. Um, actually, I'm going to ask Oliver. Oliver, how did, how did you find Chelsea back in the day? Uh, back in the day? Well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, a secret, if you like, uh, Grimsby Town fan. Um, <laughs> so that's, uh, as I was, I grew up, my dad was from that area. So I've always, I've always followed Grimsby, uh, through that. And, uh, yeah, I just picked up on Chelsea when I was a youngster as well. And I just, you know, I got, I got to see them a few times play at the bridge and, and, uh, got to see them. I was, I lived sort of East London, so got to see a few of the games of the West Ham games, the always feisty, uh, London, London derbies there and, and just loved, loved the, loved the team, loved what was going on there so but um, I've got to be honest as well Grimsby Town always has a special place in my heart when it comes to football as well all right well that's that's good enough for me um <laughs> listen sorry but I don't, I don't mean to butt in um, but actually if it makes you feel any better Ollie my old man's a Portsmouth fan don't finish that sentence um <laughs> There is a, there was a mention. The reason I'm, I'm quite I'm, I'm sorry to butt into everybody here, but there was a mention of, of of scalpers and touts, and that reminded me that much 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 earlier on um, on Mixler, somebody yes, it does sound fishy to me as well, John. Um, they're called the there's a there's a there is a fish thing to do with. They used to be next to a Findus. There was the, it was the Finder stand, wasn't it, John at Grimsby? Anyway, don't let me digress. There's a lad called Steve Roberts III who posted this on Mixler right at the beginning of the show, and I, I, I sensibly took a photograph of it so that we could read it out because it's quite an interesting point. He says, uh, Is there a chance you could discuss ticket town at some point? Whilst waiting for a mate last Monday, I had a chance to watch them in action. And the lack of a toss the police gave, I didn't grasp. Uh, it's these parasites that keep plenty of proper fans from getting tickets. Goodness gracious me. I mean, where does one start? I mean, look, all I'm going to say, Steve, very, very quickly is that, you know, the Chelsea Supporters Trust clearly have a massive interest in trying to get to grips with this. All I can really tell you is it is massively complicated. The people that you see in the street saying, got any tickets, want a ticket, uh, never hold those tickets. The minute that you say, yes, I'm interested, they wheel you away somewhere out of sight to where the real tickets are being held. The police are almost powerless. I mean, they do try and intervene occasionally, but they know that they're not getting the real criminals. So they find it really, really, really difficult. The club do the best that they can by putting notices around and um, 
And also, actually, the biggest problem now is not actually the, the, the touts you see on the street. It's the electronic touts uh, uh, who, are, who, who do something called harvesting and get hold of tickets by fair and foul means and, and, and set up websites that are often abroad. So it's very hard for Chelsea to do anything about it. But look, the club are well aware of it. The trust are well aware of it. We're trying to work closely with the club to try and do what we can. But, you know, the government don't help uh, by by not uh, legislating against this kind of touting of football matches. It's a real nightmare. But, yeah, I agree. You know, any any uh, any ticket that falls into a tout's hand is, is, you know, one that potentially stops a proper fan from getting access to one of the reasons why we the trust worked with the club to set up the ticket exchange uh which i think does very very well although it's not perfect but it does very well so look we are aware of it we, we do do our best but it's, it's a really really tough nut to crack dan have you got anything to add to that because i mean you're obviously heavily involved with the trust like i am yeah it's just it's spot on it's just a hope that it's the, it's the law that's the arse not anybody else because you know mm. it's, 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 it's <coughs> excuse me as sure as you smell horse shit and hamburgers, you can get a ticket out as you walk down Stamford Bridge. Until the law changes and makes it, you know, all the police take stronger action, then it was going to be an unfortunate, horrible, horrible thing we have to deal with. Just, yeah, okay, so. definitely. All right. Thanks for that, Dan. Uh, right, uh, on with the emails, JK. I just want to say I went to the um, the Man United game by uh, and Broadway the other day and by Tube, and um, there were about 40 ticket touts within the space of... Yeah. Uh, of thirty yards coming out of the of the of the tube, <laughs> bewildering, completely yeah, bewildering. I, I was at the uh, when I was coming off Fulham Broadway the other day, and exactly the same as uh, J.K. saying there, and and uh, there was actually a group of policemen, uh, six of them I think, five or six of them, just in a huddle having some sort of meeting or conversation, while this was all going on next to me, and I was thinking, I, I swear this isn't supposed to be allowed, but they were they were showing no they were showing no. Uh, signs of trying to stop them from even trying to tout the tickets at all, and as as JK said, there was loads of them around. And, but even and... even all the way up to the um, up to the tube exit. Yeah, they're absolutely. On, they're on public transport um, property. They're on TFL <laughs> property. They're all up there, but they all whisper. They just come up and say, "Oh, it's a ticket. Oh, it's a ticket." Mm. You know, but it, it's really obvious because they're just yeah. sat there looking at you. You know, it's, absolutely. It's, yeah. The police come up and say, "Anybody who's looking at anybody else there clearly is a tout," because nobody else does that. You don't stand about <laughs> going up to people and whispering to them, do you? I mean, they all look absolutely. like West Ham fans. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, I think it's very difficult for the police. No, I, I don't think they can, uh, you know, I mean, mm. the perfect situation, in, you know, for me would be they grab hold of them. And, and I mean, they can do you for an ASBO, which means they can restrict you from the area. But I think they find it very, very hard to do that. Anyway, we should move on because we're running out of time, boys. So let's get through these two emails. This is from Mike Clark. Hi, all. The kickoff time for the United match was ideal for us in New Zealand. Oh, kids, this is so wonderful. New Zealand, South Africa. Oh, God. Um, I took the morning off work to watch the game live at 8.45 a.m. with my dad, who's a United supporter from way back. What a, dif what a difference it makes when Hazard gets some protection from the ref. As soon as Herrera got carded, the rest of United stopped kicking lumps out of Hazard and he had more freedom to play. It would have been interesting to see how the game would have panned out with both teams fielding 11 players the whole game, but I think we still would have had enough to get the result. A couple of pods ago, you mentioned the lack of decent songs. I remember, remembered a song about Costa to, got Costa to the tune of You Are My Sunshine. I love You Are My the Sunshine song, by the way. Um, uh, Diego Costa, <laughs> he scores a shitload, home and away. He's continental, he's oh, 
rest, please don't send our costa away. La 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 la. Oi. La 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 la. Oi. Also, cheers for the advice on asking supporters groups regarding tickets. Fingers crossed, I should have something sorted when we arrive in May. Good stuff. We'll be in the UK and Europe between the 8th of May to the 8th of June. So I'm hoping to catch the last home game against Sunderland. If I miss out on tickets, can the pod recommend a good pub to watch the game? And is it true that you can't wear club colours at pubs? Cheers again, Mike. Carefree in the Antipodes. Excellent. Uh, Mike has actually written in before, I, I remember. Um, well, I, A, I hope you get a ticket, Mike. B, um, I hope uh, we get to see you for a beer uh, while you're here. I mean, it might be hard to get a ticket for, for the Sunderland match because it'll be the last match of the season, so that's always going to be tough. Um, I don't think... I think on a match day around Chelsea, uh, having a having a Chelsea shirt isn't going to be a problem per se. I mean, there, there are just some pubs that are really poncy that just don't like anybody wearing any football colours. But the, you wouldn't want to be in those pubs. You'd want to be in a pub where you can, you know, have a few drinks and watch the game. There are plenty of pubs around that will have... I mean, they won't have... Actually, there's a chance they might have it on live as, as the last match of the season. But anyway, um, there are plenty of pubs that you can watch the football on. But sadly, it tends to be the case on a Saturday or a Sunday that they don't show the live games because you're not allowed to in this country. They'll, they'll quite often show the ones that are on a Sunday or at lunchtime, but if it's a three o'clock kickoff, not a chance. But anyway, watch this space. We can keep you informed as we go along. All right, JK? Yeah, this is from Paul Marjoram. Guys, this week's win at Stoke very much had that Blackburn away feeling about it. It's the win that makes me think, yes, we're going to win the league. With this in mind, there's been a lot of talk recently about the number of points we need to take to win the title, which currently stands at 21 points or seven wins from the last 10 games. This still seems like a lot of work to do. However, it also assumes that at least one of Spurs or City take maximum points from the remainder of their games, which we all know is very unlikely to happen. If instead we assume that those two teams continue to take points at the same rate they have so far in the season, (coughs) So 56 points from 27 games or a little more than two points per game. Then from their remaining 11 games, we would expect them to take only 23 points, giving them 79 points in total. Under this scenario, we may only need 11 more points from our remaining 10 games. So rather than needing seven wins, four wins may even get the job done. I'm sure Conte will not let this sort of mentality slip into the squad. And I expect us to continue focusing on 21 points as the target. But I think these numbers show why the bookies have us, have us at over a 95% chance of winning the league. Cheers, Paul. Good point. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, you know, I've been saying for weeks that, you know, the others are going to drop points. There's no way Tottenham are going to win every bloody game to the rest of the season. I mean, now they've not got Harry Kane either. They're going to find that tougher. Uh, and I think I mean, they've certainly got to play... I think they've got Arsenal, haven't they? They've got, they've got the North London derby, so that'll be a tough match for them. I mean, I know, I, I, I know on face value playing Arsenal at the moment is not tough unless you're Le- uh, Lincoln or Sutton, but, you know, I can't see them winning every match. I mean, Oliver, you know, you, you, interestingly enough, I th- you might have been at the presser when Conte talked about this whole idea that, they're, that, 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 that he's just got the, the guys focused on, on, on winning 21 points, hasn't he? 
Yeah, he's been he's been counting it down in threes every press conference really for the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, focus is the key word that he brings up a lot of the time, and the players have said that as well that it's all about focus and not looking too far ahead. I completely agree with you. I cannot see either of Spurs or Man City winning every single game. I think that would just be unbelievable if they did. But also the other thing is I just can't see at the moment Chelsea losing three or four games. Um, you know, they mm. might they might lose one. You never know. But to be honest, I just can't see it. And I know he says about 21 points, but it really, I just don't think it's going to take that to win the league from this position. Dan, uh, I mean, you know, we're obviously fairly confident. Um, but I mean, you know... I, I... I can't see it slipping. Can you? No, it'll be it'll be Devon Locke, kind of if we did if we did slip from here. Yeah. I just, I just think we we've got too much about us. Conte knows exactly what he's doing week in week out. Spurs have got two or three tough fixtures. I think five wins would be enough. Given you know, I don't think we need as many. I don't think we need twenty one points. I think sixteen will be sufficient, and I think we'll we'll potentially win it Everton away. Yeah, I think that. Well, it's well, well, you know, we're going to yeah. find out sooner or later. But I mean, I, I, the other thing I was thinking actually after this weekend, um, you know, as, as I predicted a few weeks ago, you know, Liverpool City ended up in a draw, and I, and I think actually our, our only, you know, I mean, they're still ten points behind, but the only person, only team that are really close to us are Tottenham. Yeah, they They're not going away, but yeah, they're not going away. They're not getting any closer, are they? No, Pochettino teams historically last five, six games of the season because they're such high demands tend to fade away. Going back to the Spaniel days, so you might have found, like last season, you know, silly draws where you expect to win, you know, going 2 or down, kicking players off the park and then not winning the league. Where did that happen? So, <laughs> but, it, but it hasn't, Jonathan, it hasn't yet. I mean, as Dan said, they're still, they haven't gone away, but they haven't got closer than 10 points. I mean, this awful, stupid, absolute stupidity that Sky come out with you know, that, that Tottenham have closed the gap again because we went 13 points clear uh, and then they won. So they reduced it to... It was 10 before we started, you idiots! Which bit of this do you not get? They've got so to they try are, and make haven't it. actually got any closer. Chid, you've got to try and make it interesting, haven't they? They're, yeah. trying, to, they're trying to sell subscriptions and keep people uh, keep people hanging on. So, uh, but how um, stupid they're, they're all They're are. all hoping, they're all sitting there. They were all glued to their sets, hoping that uh, when 80, 86 minutes at the Stoke game, they're going, yes, it's going to be a draw. Yes, that'll mean eight points. Yes, great. They're all, they're all up for uh, as close as possible because then more and more people watch <laughs> Sky, don't they? Watch the programme. So... Uh, and more and more people subscribe. So it's, 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 it, they've been told to do it, as you know, and you're with your producer's hat on. They've been, they've been told to, uh, to push for that because it, it means they'll, they'll make more money. Makes sense. This is but... why I used to get fired, Jonathan, all the time because I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but at the you know, I used to write scripts. You know, I actually wrote, I actually wrote a script uh, for a link for a presenter to read, and I actually made. I wrote the script of Super Frankie Lampard. I refused to write Frank Lampard. I wrote Super Frankie Lampard. And the, and the presenter read it out and actually stopped and said, I can't read this out. That bloody producers of Chelsea sport is trying to make me say this. So, you know, that's why I used to get fired all the time. Anyway, on that happy note, um, nobody's getting fired tonight because it's been a great, great, great show. Uh, and we've got to go in a sec. But before we do, I just want to shout out and say thank you to all of the emails that we get. We really genuinely love uh, receiving them. Jonathan, I know, uh, loves reading them out. Reading them out. It gets very excited when they're from all over the world. 
Uh, and as you know, we will always try and read them out. Um, I, I think I might stop if, if we had so many that all four parts would have to be reading emails out. But uh, <laughs> at the moment, it's okay. But anyway, look, send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com before Monday and you'll get it read out. Um, right, I'm afraid that that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, we will be back uh, next Monday night together with Jonathan, Mark Worrell, and the girl who likes balls aka alex churchill uh before then of course there'll be a little bit of me and the wonderful kerry dixon uh doing a show this thursday talking about stoke and as i said earlier on don't forget this um we'll do a bit of a q a with kerry so if you want to ask kerry a question on the show on thursday uh email chelseafancast at gmail.com or tweet uh chelsea uh, is at chelsea fancast very simple and i will ask that of kerry and that will get read out on the show now do not forget to follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, uh, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Dan at Dan Silves 73 and Oliver Harbord at OJ Harbord. And of course, check out the website ChelseaFancast.com. Uh, many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers. Keep them coming. Look out for my uh, piece on uh, football.london, which will probably will get written tomorrow and it'll be up sometime Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, I suspect, won't it, Ollie? Yeah, Wednesday will most likely be on there. No worries. Well, there we go. I'm speaking to the man who knows here, That's, uh, <laughs> so I don't have to guess. Uh, right, uh, I've got to write it first. That's the only <laughs> hurdle and obstacle. I'm, you know, but anyway, uh, I'm sure I'll come up with something tomorrow. Right, um, it's been brilliant. I have really, really, really enjoyed the show tonight. Um, Oliver, it's been fantastic having you on the show. We need to get you back on soon. You've been brilliant, mate. Thank you. Yeah, please. Th- please do. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. Uh, Dan, as always... Uh, Great having you on the show. You've done done a done a double shift. You were on last week and, and this week as well. And I got to see you on Friday getting pissed with Kerry Dixon, yeah. Clive Wilson and Dennis Wise and Spackers and goodness her. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Oh, was that, it really was a really fantastic night. So no, thank, thanks for the oh, invite. No. And it was, Dan, it was always a pleasure to be on the show talking about Chels. There you go. You, you yeah. almost officially got to be Mrs. Chidge for a night, didn't you? <laughs> Nowhere near as good looking. <laughs> Well, I couldn't possibly comment, yeah. but uh, I, I suppose I better say yes. Uh, but no, it was a great night. Really enjoyed yeah, uh, your coming. I mean, it was brilliant meeting Clive Wilson. That was a real, oh, what, real what uh, absolutely lo- just a thoroughly lovely gentleman, wasn't he? Just chat. We sat, had dinner with him the whole evening, just talking, talking. He was he was great. I mean, Dennis Wise was on form, and so was Spackman on form. So it was it was just it was brilliant. And, and Kerry was, you know, like his absolutely fantastic film was like honest and to the point, and just a. You know, just so nice to be so close to somebody who has such a huge part in Chelsea's history. And if you, when this film comes out, Chelsea fans go and watch it because it is it is honest, brilliant, and just a must for all Chelsea fans. Mm, yeah, well, hopefully we'll have a, a few of those to give away if I if I speak to Chris this yeah. week, which I fully intend to do. Um, Jonathan, as always, an absolute utter pleasure having you on the show. You've been a star and a trooper tonight. Thank you, Chidge. Very enjoyable. Lovely to do all the mails, as you say. Absolutely right. It's brilliant to have these from around the world. It just makes you realise uh, um, uh, how many supporters Chelsea has around the world, but also how many people listen to the show, which I think is uh, brilliant. So well done. Yeah, it's it's not it's not just my mum. There you go. <laughs> I lie about that. You know, she does. She used to turn me off about the language, though, a lot actually in the early days. You know. Uh, quite right. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, before I go, I've just got this very, very special mention uh, for Felix Verren uh, at Katsky1. Uh, I've just got one thing to say to you, Felix. Uh, 
Northerners are real people with real emotions. He's been longing for that since Cheltel left, apparently. I'm going to read out what he said. He says, I miss Cheltel and Northerners are real people with real emotions. Uh, I had that as a ringtone for text for a while. There you go. That's the, if, you, if, if you do that, you know, because you listed the fan cast and you just know you've got people who love this show. So there you go. Ah, Clayton, who has popped blimey. This is going to be the longest show ever, thanks to Clayton's last minute thing. No, not really. Clayton's listening in here live tonight. I mean, that's lovely. Clayton says, yes, uh, we've got fans forum coming up. Uh, what will happen is that we will probably put something up on the website to remind you to get any questions in for the fans forum. That's the official Chelsea fans forum. Clayton... Behrman, who is on the show possibly next week. I can never remember. No, week after. Anyway, he is our rep on the Fans Forum, so we need to get your questions in. Uh, tweet them to us. Email them, chelseafancast at gmail.com, and I will, for- I will forward them to Clayton, who will raise them on your behalf. I think it's in around the 9th of April, the meeting. I, I, forgive me if I can't remember exactly, but I'll plug it out again next week. Right, we better go because we've outstayed our welcome massively. Massive thanks to all of you lot who listen in Mixler. It's brilliant seeing you, so many, so many of you in there. Uh, every week i love it uh fantastic guests this week i've really enjoyed their company so thank you for listening see you next time until then keep it blue keep it carefree and keep it chills It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.